Good to be here with you on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you're making us a part of your day. We have got a lot to get to. It is draft week. We are excited about that. It's in beautiful Las Vegas. We're still working on getting me that bowl game where I do not have to show up, but you will give me casino money. And, you know, that's the angle angle we're working on. And wins with your money. Do they got to see your money? Oh, no, that's like the, uh, yeah, it's kind of like the, uh, kind of like the lottery ticket. Well, you won, but we had that verbal thing where, you know, we were going to split it. I saw. Good job, Kevin Thomas. We need you to come on. But I, saw, I saw something on, uh, uh, you know, people share these news stories or whatever. For, I, I, we're getting off track early, but somebody had a, uh, since you're talking about winning the lottery, they had a picture of like a grandma and like uh, her grandson or something. They won like uh, $2 million in the lottery, which after taxes, they each got like 600000 or whatever. And they like taking their picture for the news. She goes, Oh, I'm about to sue him. And they're like, what? She's like, oh, no, I said I would split it if we won the 50-50, not the whole thing. And he's like, that's not what you said. And she's like, oh, I put his name on the ticket with mine for good luck. Yeah. Then he's like, well, I didn't think we was going to actually win. You know, that's usually how it goes. Like, hey, I'll split it with you, Ben. But then when I went, I was like, did we actually say that? Or was it like, I'll split the ticket price with you and give you your money back? <laughs> At the end of the day, you know, this money only reveals what you've always been. You came in broken. I'm walking out with 600K. 600,000. That's going to be the best flight of your life. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, I feel like Matt Olson coming back from freaking Vegas if you get that kind of cheese. Yeah. But Vegas knows you're not going to walk away with that much money because it is addictive. You're going to walk away in the hole. That's, that's how it works. That's how the casinos get so big and the hotels so nice. But we, we've got so much to get to. The draft coming up there, as we mentioned. John Shipley, Jaguar Report on SI will join us. And we'll get the latest with Jacksonville because apparently now that it's draft week, it has changed. So we'll talk about that with uh, with him coming up. Also, uh, in the final hour, we'll hear from Corey Yates, CEO of Recruiting Analytics. We'll get his breakdown analytically of Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. So looking forward to uh, talking with him about that. We'll also get you caught up on some Braves uh, news out there as well. But a lot of draft this week. Ben will be at Coach's Corner on Thursday ahead of the first round. Hope you'll come out and join us. We're going to have a little fun with the uh, with the top 10 so coming out pick your top 10 you get the most right have a little something for you so looking forward to, uh, to that but you got to appreciate this Ben because you know we, we've been talking about this for weeks we've had numerous 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 draft analysts come on the program and we've said who's going number one? Oh, write it in pen it's Aiden Hutchinson you know, it's Aiden Hutchinson what about you? Oh, it's Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, yeah, there's really no way. What about Evan Neal? No, nah, there's really no way. They're going to go Aiden Hutchinson. They like the defensive end. I know Balky likes Trayvon Walker a little bit. He's got... Q Monday of the draft, Ben. Now, the betting favorite for number one pick overall is... It's not Aiden Hutchinson. It's Trayvon Walker out of Georgia now to go number one. What changed? Like, honest to God, I, 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 like I said, BJ has asked this in the past. I asked, like, for months... It's been Aiden Hudson going to go to Jacksonville. They love him. They like his makeup. He's a defensive end or an outside linebacker, however you want to classify him, and they love his makeup. He can help them get better. Now the draft's coming up on Thursday, and well, now Trayvon Walker's number one. So what changed? What changed from Friday to Monday? I mean, the draft sounded more like a deposition, and people are scared and not scared of truth on the over something. I, I, don't, I don't know, Kevin. I think this is what makes the draft, what it is. As much as you think you know, right? The draft used to be, they'll tell you who the number one pick is 
like two or three days before the trip, it's going to be so-and-so, and then you start trying to put it together. It's the Jags. The Jags are becoming more diva-ish over the years because it's not happening on the field, right? So we're back-to-back number one overall picks. We obviously get our pick a little because we got pick number one. As you mentioned, Kevin, at one point, it's Evan Neal. Then it comes out, Cam Robinson gets franchise tag. Okay. It's Aiden Hutchinson. Clear cut. 6'6", 265. You know, I mean, Big Ten player, the audience. Clear cut. It's Trevon Walker. Why? Have you seen how beastly he is? And, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, his ceiling is like, now, we don't know. We really, really don't know. Jacksonville is playing with our emotions. They really, really are. I mean, and the thing, and the people that's backing it up, I mean, everybody on Twitter today that, that's that's a draft analyst, Kevin, I mean, Ty Mache is saying this, Mel Kuyper saying that, coming out of the Jags wire and all these other type of things. We have no clue what's going to happen Thursday because I heard some rumors that Cam Robinson might be, you know, uh, working on a long-term deal. So that's, does that completely rule Evan Neal out? We don't know. <clears throat> Javon Walker is the most intriguing player in this draft because – he went from a mid, a, a late first to mid first to potential number one. Potentially, he's going to be the number one. He will be the highest drafted defensive player <clears throat> in Georgia history, whether he goes one, two, or three. I think Champ uh, Bailey went like number four or five uh, back in like 98. But, Kevin, this is why we watch, right? Because this is the thing. We, we really have no vested interest in this thing outside. We're going to all the ooze. This, this is going to be the ooh eye fest. But sure. if, if. You are a one Aiden Hutchinson. You saying to yourself, well, what did I do wrong? You didn't do anything wrong, Aiden. You just you, you just peaked too early. When I say peak, that was mentioning your name too early because this is what I would say. If Trevon Walker was a clear-cut number one, you know we would be saying that it's Aiden Hutchinson. They think he's gonna, I, I think that's what make the number one overall pick in the National Football League. I mean, in, in the draft, Kevin, in the football. I think that's what makes it so intriguing because we don't know. If it's not a quarterback, it's anybody. Like, if it's not a QB, it's, it could be anybody. So, for my money, I think it's probably going to still end up being Aiden Hutchinson. But, Mr. Javon Walker, I ain't mad at you, sir. I mean, the measurables through the roof. But I know we're going to get, you know, the, you know, I know we're going to get the Corey uh, later on and talk about like breaking. Because Kevin, <clears throat> when you get to breaking it down, it's really, really small. You know, average time to get off a block. One is like two point eight seconds. The other one like two point nine. It's just, it's just crazy. It's really going to come down to this. Who do you think can help your team right now? Who has the biggest upside, and who could, and who we're gonna look? Because you know we look back three, four years after the draft, and how many, have, how many is it? Is it all pros versus Pro Bowls, or is it helping you get the playoff games and potential Super Bowls? So we'll see. But if you are the if you are the one University of Georgia, you are loving all of this because while we talking about Trevon Walker, Trevon Walker potentially being number one overall pick. How many first-rounders you think even gonna come out of University of Georgia when all said and done? Yeah, uh, quite a few. Uh, at, at the end of the day, and. Uh, Look, I, I think it's just a, it's amazing how the draft rolls and, and, and flows when you lead up to it. And, Ben, you and I talked about this. And I, only, I only brought up the kind of what changed is we talked about this last week where we're like, look, it usually if a guy has been number one for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, usually the week of the draft it changes. Or come draft night it changes. And uh, you go with somebody else. And you think, oh, well, what's the big deal? I mean, it changes the entire makeup of, of the draft. That's why when people say, oh, they could have gotten it. Like, outside of number one, everybody else is just playing off of what happens ahead of them, obviously. So, I mean, number two is probably still going to be the same pick regardless. But, I mean, you look at uh, how it affects things down the line in a, uh, a big, big way if it is Trayvon Walker and not Aiden Hutchinson because now there's 
uh, a guy available that maybe they thought for weeks wasn't going to be available. I do find it interesting that it comes out today uh, that that it does that. And this is on the heels of Trent Baalke coming out and saying, yeah, we'd be interested in trading number one. Like, nobody's called us, i.e., like, nobody's interested. Uh, but we we would listen. So is this a effort to gin up some interest in number one? Because I think even if you're not serious about trading, you, you may get blown away with an offer and say, fine, we'll trade back. So I, I think some of this could be draft, uh, draft gamesmanship, uh, if you will. But uh, it, there definitely seems to be a a difference of opinion. I don't know how strong it is, but a difference of opinion in that Jags front office room on that coaching staff about who they want at number one. Uh, because it's been... It's been Aiden Hudson, and then you've kind of heard Trent Baalke more and more over the last couple of weeks say, oh, man, that Trayvon Walker is really, really nice. You know, he does has a lot of upside. So who the heck knows what's going to happen uh, there with Jacksonville? You'd like to say it would be simple, but I still, despite Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hudson, Ben, I, I'm a guy that says, you know, you're a team that has largely been bad uh, in, in your history. And the last two years, I mean, Obviously, that goes without saying if you're picking number one two years in a row. I kind of start looking at the National Football League like I do, you know, baseball. You got enough starting pitching? Go get more. You think you got enough bullpen help, enough pitching? Go get more pitching. I mean, look at the Braves. Braves had the night shift. And everybody's like, what? They don't really need a bullpen piece. Go out and got Kenley Jansen. Wait, what? Why'd you get Kenley Jansen? You think you have enough bullpen help? Go get some more. You think you have enough offensive line help? Go get some more. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, that's one of those things that you hear draft people talk about. When you say best player available, Ben, you draft the best player available and figure it out later, right? You go To me, go get Evan Neal and figure it out later. Hurt somebody's feelings later, right? Give me three big-time offensive linemen. Kick a tackle inside uh, to guard. Give me two bookends I can deal with, and guess what? If Trevor Lawrence can't get it done with that, then we probably ain't ever going to get it done with him, right? I mean, that that's just, and again, I think Jacksonville's going to go defense, but I would be very tempted. And I would love to be a fly in the meeting room later this week when they try to figure this out to see how much maybe a Doug Peterson is advocating to get that offensive line help and, and go after a guy like Evan Neal. This, this is the thing, though, Kevin. I mean, I, Evan Neal, to me, is a clear-cut number one when you think about the fact that whenever somebody say, I can put him there for the next 10, 15 years, I don't got to worry about him. I mean, what else do you want from a player? Put him there, he's done, I'm not, and that's going through 10, 15 of the next, of, uh, 10, 15 drafts. But this is why I think Aiden Hutchinson is really uh, being looked at, the people don't want to talk about. I went up and looked up the defensive rookie of the year the last six years. Five of the last six years, it came from the Big Ten. 2016, Joey Bosa. 2017, Marshawn Lattimore, Ohio State. 2019, Nick, I mean, I'm sorry, 2019, Nick Bosa. 2020, Chase Young. 2021, Michael Parsons. Now, if you don't think that kind of stuff has a bit, because here's the thing, when they say, oh, well, I, I, I guess, I, I got to say this too. This is something me and BJ talk about. Stop comparing white guys to white guys and black guys to black guys <laughs> when it comes to the comparison. Oh, man, when I look at uh, Aiden Hutchinson, I say, well, you, you see Bosa? Yeah. Now, Bosa was, you know, black. It'll be Chase Young. We need to – no, you either can play or you can't play. Aiden Hutchinson has benefited from that. They think, hey, man, he's going to be the next. Well, I don't know what the Bosa's brothers – his, his mom and dad, they just breeding beasts <laughs> right there. Chase Young Chase Young is Chase Young is a black Thor. If you've ever seen him, he got the blonde dreads. He's about 6'6", six, six, right? Marshawn Lattimore has been light-sized since he got 
obviously to New Orleans and Michael Parsons. I mean, if he if he just played defensive end last year, probably would have had 20 sacks. I like Aiden Hutchinson. But Aiden Hutchinson, just like a Javon Walker, they were both late bloomers. Now, I think they both benefited from those guys around I'm not mad at either one of them, but at the end of the day, Kevin, when you got the height, when you got the size, when you got the brand, you're gonna you're gonna get a look. But at the end of the day, Evan Neal is all of 350 pounds. He don't look he don't look if that's 350, I mean it don't look it. But Kevin, like you said, the same reason why they draft you will be the same reason that if you don't pan out, say, well, he was a late bloomer. Don't trust Ty Mache. Definitely don't trust Mel Kuyper. Trust Kevin Thomas. He will he will get you right every time. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm the guy that advocated not <laughs> drafting Matt Ryan. By the way, for the Falcons. Defensive tackles out of LSU looked real good. Nope. I looked a little silly on that. But, no, look, the draft's an inexact science. But, to me, given the way the National Football League is going, yep. I, I get you want to get after the quarterback, but you just drafted Trevor Lawrence, number one. I give him every reason to succeed. Yes. Whether that be putting guys in front of him to block. Yes. Whether that be wide receivers to catch the ball or running backs to run the ball. I, I, will, I will gladly lose games in year two. 42 to 38, if it means that Trevor Lawrence is being successful and moving forward, and I will figure out the defense after that. Just me. That's why I'm not an NFL head coach. That's why nobody's knocking on my door saying, hey, you want $6 million to coach? Nope. You didn't want to take Matt Ryan. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> Glenn Dawson would have been an excellent pick, though, by the way. Yeah. I'm just saying, no, no one saw Matty Ice being where he became, but we yeah. fell in love with Matty Ice. If Matty Ice played for the Saints, we would hate his guts. Did Glenn Dorsey because, even make it like five years in the league? Uh, I, I think he made it about six or seven years. I mean, I, I I know I know he went into the College Football Hall of Fame uh, recently, but, I mean, Kevin, it's a crapshoot, man. For everybody that makes it, there's a bunch of guys that don't. The same, when I was coming out back in 2004, the guy that was helping me go through the draft process for the interview and said, Ben, don't take what I say. Take what I say with a grain of salt. Why? He said, because I said that Brett Favre would not play a down of football in the NFL. And for a long time, it looked that way. And then he goes to Green Bay, and well, <laughs> you know, the rest is history. He wasn't getting on the field in Atlanta. I think he still has the best stat line ever. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't Brett Favre's Atlanta stat line 0 for 1 with an interception? Yep. Like that, his one pass oh, was oh, picked he was up. Show, he was showing, he was giving you a preview of what was going to come. Brett Favre, to me, is, is it, listen, Brett Favre is the ultimate gambler because he bet on himself every time. His last play I remember was, Minnesota versus, I want to say, the Saints, and he threw crossbody, which you don't do. Pick, game over. Got to love Brett Favre. Hey, sometimes you uh, you bet big, you, <laughs> you win big, sometimes you lose big. We got more to come here on 3 Out. We'll talk about Trayvon Walker. Could he be that number one pick? And John, Shep- John Shipley, Jaguar Report, will join us coming up in about 20 minutes. We'll get his thoughts on maybe some movement there at the top of the Jacksonville draft board. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back on this Monday. Draft coming up starting Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Trayvon Walker now been the odds-on favorite, betting-wise, to be the number one pick. We'll chat with John Shipley of Jaguar Report uh, on SI coming up in just a little bit to talk about uh, that specifically. But Trayvon Walker, been heard Mike Greenberg say he's one of the lesser-known guys on uh, on Georgia's defense. I think, yeah, you had, uh, you know, Jordan Davis was, you know, Six, seven, 350 pounds. N'Kobe Dean. Lewis Seen was the guy that, you know, was coming down knocking heads off. Trayvon Walker, though, was the guy out there making plays. I think people confuse well-known from, you know, the guys that are out there making plays. He is a, he's a beast of a football player, uh, Ben. How do you think he translates to the National Football League? And obviously, he and Aiden Hutchinson don't play the same position. People keep saying that, and they, they don't. 
How does this game translate to the NFL? How do you think he fits if he were to go to a Jacksonville? I think he fits great. I think the one thing that uh, Dan Lanning, uh, the former defensive coordinator, now uh, the head coach of Oregon, did with a guy you know like Jerron Walker, he showed everything he could do. He played the nine. He played the wide nine. He played the five technique. He played the three technique. He played the nose. They put him all up and down defensive line. They made it so that when he gets to the National Football League, nothing is new to him. But you ever played? You ever played from a two point stance? Yep. You ever played inside? Yep. You ever played on the nose? Yep. You ever played? You know you played the three technique? Yep. Four three three four. The thing about him is he's freakishly athletic. Not athletic, freakishly. I, I, to, to my listeners, I mean, when I say freakish, I mean like like Julius Peppers was freakishly athletic. 6'6", 280, number two pick in the draft. Okay. Trevon Walker, 6'5", 275. He ran a 4-5-1. A man that big almost ran a 4-4. Then he had – and he was a late bloomer. This is the thing. People will go, do his stats jump out at you? No. But he – I mean, the guy, he's just a disruptor. And I think what happens is, Kevin, it goes back to, look, Kevin, if you got a pitcher who he ain't got the best, he ain't, his ERA might not be the best, but he could throw 100 and, I don't know, 70 miles. Like, <laughs> what? Because in your mind, you because th- this is what it is. You always say, dude, everybody needs fine tuners. So when you look at every player coming in, nobody's going to come in already. Pop- You're going to have to fine tune those guys. But if they say, all right, what you got? Six five two seventy five. All right, four five one. What? Four five one to forty? Yeah, yeah, I can work. Thirty. With that. I can work with that. That's, that's all you got, right? Most people in the National Football League cannot run a four five anything. That's regardless of position. I just think that he's such an intrigue. Cause this is the thing, right? I don't want to. When you hear this coming out of college, man, I think he's showing you about his best he can do. I don't want to play it like that. I want to. Well, play that's what people are saying about Aiden Hutchinson. Like, yeah, yeah. Th- what you see is what you yes. have, and there's not much more to get to uh, yes. with, with with him as a player. Which is not to say that it's bad. No, it's just that's what he is. Yeah, yeah I think the thing about a guy like Javon Walker is he stood out on a defense that had Nicobe Dean. You talk about seeing. You talk about Jordan Davis, right? You talking about you know you talking about Wyatt and those guys. The thing about uh, Javon Walker is. He's gonna be like a like a guy like JJ. No, I didn't see JJ Watt being that coming out of Wisconsin. I mean, arguably the best player in his generation. When you look at, you know, I mean, three time defensive player of the year, three three straight years of over twenty sacks. I think the thing about Javon Walker, uh, Kevin, you don't know how good he can be. And to me, that's good and bad because I don't want a guy you can say, oh, this is about as good as he's gonna be. You know, he's gonna. I want a guy to say, look, he got potential to be the defensive player of the year. Or he got the potential to be just another player. But when you look at that, you know he's coachable because he went to Georgia. You know he can take hard coaching because he went to Georgia. And you know he knows defense. He don't just play defense. He understands schemes. He understands what the linebacker's doing. He understands why he got to stay in his past uh, rush lane. He understands why he got to stay, why he got to maintain, you know, good discipline in his, in his, in his, in his run gaps and his fits. He understands all this because he's played up and down defensive line. And he's 6'5", 275, and can run a 4'5", With all that stuff I just gave you, Right, you went to the car dealership, and he's the one on the inside. They said, "Why you got this on the inside?" They said, "Man, you want to see? Give me the keys." And somebody bring you the key. They open up a box and pull the key out, and you get in it. Now you'll get to drive off. You go, "Oh my god!" You <laughs> sit in it, and, and it adjusts to your height, weight, all this aesthetic. I think Trevon Walker is why you love sports. Is because I don't listen. You don't. I want a guy to show me what he can do. Like, oh my god, did you see that? Kevin, if I, you know, if I'm watching baseball, you have to show me watching when somebody go, oh my God, that slider was sick. You'll show me what it did. 
that's what Javon Walker's doing this. There is a play. Javon Walker's rushing. They throw the ball to the back. They throw the ball out to the to the receiver. The receiver is running past the defense. You see Trevon Walker run him down from the other side of the field and make the play. That is what you want. So now he's showing effort, right? Effort, athleticism, gifts, talents, quote, intangibles. He has it. And he went to the University of Georgia, who just won the national championship and on a, on a historic defense. Hey, man, I think you got to give him a shot because if you don't get him and he goes to your division, like I said, Carolina, they got Cam Newton in number one overall pick, who went number two, Von Miller. And when they met each other, Von Miller was a Super Bowl MVP. Cam got Rexy's MVP. Von got Super Bowl MVP. All I'm saying is both of them are going to definitely be Hall of Famers, but it's just you got to pick your poison. I think for me, Kevin, the more I talk about Trevon Walker, for him, he's going to have to play how he look. He looks like a guy that dominates. He's going to have to do that, but it's hard to live up to the number one overall, number one overall uh, uh, pick. But if he's going to be that, man, he definitely looks the part, sound the part. Can he be the part? Yeah. Uh, and, again, I, I think a lot of people said, hey, there's a, a guy that, as you said, gives you a little uh, diversity in what he's able to do. Aiden Hutchinson, you know what he is, right? He's, he's going to come in. He's going to go get after the quarterback. That's what his job is. What will the Jaguars do at number one? We'll put, the, uh, put that thought to John Shipley uh, coming up on the Jaguar Report. When we return, this is three and out. All across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Welcome back. It's three and out here on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us on this Monday. We are efforting John Shipley, Jaguar Report on SI. So uh, we will chat with him. Is it going to be Trayvon Walker there at number one? And what are those discussions going to be like here over the next couple of days as they try to, as Sean Khan says, firm up the draft board? ahead of Thursday night's first round. So we hope to have John with us here in just a moment. Uh, but very interesting what Jacksonville could do. People put so much stock on number one, Ben, but Jacksonville obviously needs players, and they have a bunch of picks throughout this draft, including the top pick in the second round. So uh, there's an opportunity as deep as this draft is for the Jags to really improve themselves. Yeah, and I, I do think the Jags are going to do their due diligence. I mean, Kevin, something you keep mentioning that I think uh, you know can't be overstated is you're going to have difference of opinion in that room. I mean, Doug Peterson ain't been there that long. He's going he gonna to think something different. Trent Baalke obviously has earned, uh, you know, the distinction of being the GM before the assistant GM get there after the draft to have earned the trust of, you know, uh, Mr. You know, uh, you know, Khan. But I think, I think what, what sets this thing apart is the fact that coaches see things differently. What, what Doug Peterson uh, sees the team needs could be something tr- totally different than Trent Baalke sees. So, I just think that when you look at when you look at what uh, what the Jags want to do, I think they got to take a strong hard look at uh, you know what 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 is what, who who's going to be a key contributor now because once again the average age on the team is twenty two twenty three. So I just think that yeah, it's going to be a difference of opinion in that in that draft room. You just got to hope that a guy like Trent Baalke, who doesn't have a good track record. Yeah, you can't say, oh, well, he drafted Trevor Lawrence. Well, everybody was going to draft Trevor Lawrence uh, in the 2021 draft. I think that you got to trust Trent Baalke to make the right decision because usually GM picks him, coaches coaches him, and hopefully he's a good fit. If they don't address offense in the first first pick, which a lot of people think they won't, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, if they don't do that, is it almost assuredly going to be an offensive piece at the top of the second round? I, I would think so. I think it's something uh, that you said in the first segment, Kevin. Your franchise name is Trevor Lawrence. You want to give him as many weapons as possible. Or you say where? Well, you can never have enough. 
Christian Kirk got the big money. He's the reason why the, the, the wide receiver frenzy is what it is, you know, uh, with the Tyreek Hills, you know, with the Allen Robinsons and so on and so forth. But, well, Christian Kirk, last time I checked, has never been a headliner. And let me say this. Me getting my money doesn't mean I'm finna play like a number one, even if I'm getting paid like a number one. You, you bring on a, you bring on a guy that, you know, uh, you bring on a guy that was a first-round pick five years ago, Evan Ingram. Got him on a one-year deal for the Giants. You're going to need more than one tight end. You know, I mean, Travis Etienne. So, we, so Travis Etienne, I mean, obviously going to be in the dish. He didn't play last year. But, Kevin, you always looking to add pieces, man. You can never have enough pieces. Because I think that when you think about this offense, add another tight end, add another receiver, do you go with a guy on the outside? Because last time I checked, Christian Kirk is more of a, a slot receiver. But you got LaVisca Chenault. You know, you got Zay Jones. You got Marvin uh, Jones. You got, a, you got a bunch of guys. Add, add another wide receiver. Add another tight end. Add another running back. Because you, cause you want to make it so that if one of the key guys on offense, not named Trevor Lawrence, by the way, goes down, you don't lose anything. So that's easier said than done. But when you when you the, when you the top pick in the first round, second round, and third round, by the way, uh, you're gonna you're gonna get the best available player. But I but know that everybody you draft will not sit. They're gonna have to be key contributors. So you say to yourself. Who can I who can I draft to, to to play right now because they're gonna have to play? Well, I mean, I, I guess just the way I look at it is when you put so much in a a quarterback, especially. And I, this is probably the only position I feel this way about in, in the National Football League is when you have that quarterback that you like. There are guys that are quarterbacks, and then there are guys that are franchise quarterbacks. Ben, and you've obviously explained the very large difference between guys who are just dudes. And guys who are franchise builders. There's a lot of guys who think they're franchise builders and they're just dudes uh, holding down a spot. Uh, they're at the quarterback spot. But to me, I, I, if I'm going to invest in a guy like Trevor Lawrence, I am going to give him every reason to not fail. Yes. So if if he fails, it's because it was him. Right? Give him everything. Right? Don't, don't do like the Jags have done to certain guys and say, we got Blake Bortles. Well, who's he throwing the ball to? We'll worry about that later. Well, you, no, you never worried about it, and now here's where you are. Uh, you know, you went out, <coughs> excuse me, and you drafted Blaine Gabbert. What they, I think Blaine Gabbert was number one draft, third overall in the first round. Oh, he's going to sit and learn. Game three, he's out there. I like everybody knew it, and you go out there and go, man, Blaine Gabbert, he really stinks. Uh, he's throwing to guys who wouldn't start on other NFL teams. Like, the offensive line is average to, to poor, and the wide receivers are not guys that if you wanted to trade them, anybody would take. Like, what do you expect to happen? So don't do that to Trevor Lawrence. Put Trevor Lawrence out there and say, Trevor, if you can't make it work in the National Football League, it's not going to be because it was you and 10 other dudes out there. We gave you a lockdown left tackle. We got you a right tackle. Hope I mean, they got Evan Neal. We got you two running backs. Uh, for one in the first round, who you played with, by the way, we're intimately familiar with. We went out and got you receivers in the draft that we knew could play or got free agents that we knew could play. Like, don't give him guys that are not playmakers across that roster and say, at the end, Evan Ingram was a big-time pick coming out of Ole Miss. Trevor, if it ain't working, it's not those other guys. It's you. But we have enough faith in you that it's not going to be you, and it's we're giving you all this so that we can all win. I, if I'm Jacksonville, I, I'm almost saying defense be darned. I don't I like I re- really been. Who cares at, at this point in the stage of development? Get guys to play defense. Focus on the offensive side. Be exciting. Be entertaining. And people say, well, if you still lose, you still be exciting. Be entertaining. The wins will come. You may have to learn how to win differently than you want. You may have to outscore people. But for right now, look, 
I don't need a top 10 defense. That's my opinion. Let's get John Shipley's opinions. We have found him. Uh, Jaguar report there on SI. John, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, doing fantastic, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing fantastic. A lot of reports now on Draft Monday after months and months of Aiden Hutchinson. The betting favorite is Trayvon Walker. Do you feel that anything has changed in that Jags front office, or is it still Aiden Hutchinson? I, I really believe that, you know, at the end of the day, the pick is going to be Aiden Hutchinson. I firmly believe that there's a lot of uh, conversation going on about Trayvon Walker and even some important figures inside the building who, you know, would prefer Trayvon Walker. But I think at the end of the day, they're going to come down to an organizational decision and an agreement, you know, from their top decision makers that Hutchinson is, you know, the right pick for them. And, John, the thing about this is that when you think about this Jags team, right, at first it was Evan Neal. He was a clear-cut number one. And Cam Robinson gets the franchise tax. We're going to move on from him. Then you hear about a guy like, you know, Aiden Hutchinson that got all the measurables. I mean, definitely played extremely well for that Michigan team uh, down the stretch. And then you look at a guy like Javon Walker, who's, I mean, 6'5", 275, running the four five one. In your opinion, you know, you know, I know the number one pick is going to be the most highly scrutinized pick no matter who it is or what they do, but when you think about a team that needs a lot, do you think a guy like Javon Walker just provides more you know, uh, you know, options because he's played up and down that defensive line? I, I really do think that you know, the attention when it comes to Walker is there's just so much more untapped you know, potential when it comes to him like a guy like Hutchinson. Hutchinson is you know, a guy who obviously had a lot of success at Michigan especially, you know, in his senior season. But he's somebody who, you know, he's not going to be as versatile or, you know, a guy that you move around as much as you do with a guy like Walker. You know, Walker, he really has the size and length to play really any position along a defensive front, whether it's a 3-4 or a 4-3. Whereas Hutchinson, and there are some people in the NFL that believe this, could be better suited to be strictly a 4-3 guy. You know, if, if you watch them each do, you know, drops in the space, it's kind of staggering just how much more of a fluid athlete Walker is than Hutchinson, despite having, you know, nearly 15 pounds on him. John Shipley, Jaguar Report, joining us here on the program. And could obviously you said some of this could be pre-draft posturing. Could this be uh, some posturing for the Jags to potentially draw interest at the number one pick? I know Trent Baalke said, yeah, we would listen, but nobody's called. Uh, nobody's called about it. I, we were talking about this last week where such a balanced draft, maybe not a headliner at the top per se, that, could you trade back and get more picks to really get, uh, you know, more talent into uh, into the building? But is there some posturing maybe to try to just add a little more intrigue to number one? I do think in an ideal scenario, the Jaguars would love to trade down uh, from number one. You know, they obviously had the number one pick last year. And, you know, trading down from last year's number one pick was non-negotiable because you're staring at Trevor Lawrence in the face. But then this year, you know, they probably have a number of guys who are graded pretty closely you know, at, at that top overall spot because that's just the kind of class this is, you know. The, the first 10 picks, you're going to see a lot of edge rushers and a lot of offensive linemen drafted because they're all graded, you know, pretty close close and similarly to one of another. So I think when you have a class like that, it's only natural to want to move down and get more picks. So I do think in an ideal scenario, that's what they would be doing. It's just I, I really don't think that, you know, we're going to see a trade in the first, you know, six, seven, or even eight picks in a draft just because I don't think there's really a demand from teams wanting to move up. Uh, to that end, John, just a quick follow-up. If they traded back, what's the, the likelihood they could still get Aiden Hutchinson even if they move back four or five spots? I, I really think Hutchinson is off the board in the first two picks. I think if he doesn't go number one to the Jaguars or you know any other team in this scenario, a team that trade up, 
I think he's, you know, a firm lock to the Detroit Lions on number two. So, to me, the only real chance the Jaguars have of getting a guy like Hutchinson is at number one. Whereas, I think if you move back, I think guys like Kevon Thibodeau come into the conversation. Uh, Evan Neal, Charles Cross. You know, Ika Mekwanu, if he's still on the board. If they move back and Mekwanu was still on the board, I think they would, you know, sprint to the podium to make that selection. And, John, when you think about the draft, it's obviously, you know, all about trends. When you look at five of the last six defensive rookies of the year, I mean, they came from the Big Ten, Marshawn Lattimore, you know, uh, you know, uh, Joey, you know, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, uh, Chase Young, Michael Parsons last year. How much of that helps a guy like, you know, a guy like Aiden Hutchinson? Because, you know, it's a copycat league. You look at how well these guys have transitioned from their rookie years, especially the Bosas with Chase Young coming off an of injury. How much does that help a guy like, uh, like a Hutchinson? Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely huge because, you know, like you said, like, you know, the NFL is a copycat league. So I think, you know, maybe if this was a few years ago, I think there'd maybe be more, you know, hype around an offensive lineman going number one overall. But, you know, that's just not something we've really seen. You know, we haven't seen that at all since 2013. Otherwise, you know, it's been it's been defensive end. It's been quarterback. So I just think the recent trend and how the NFL is going is, you know, it's all about either, you know, the guys who throw and catch the ball or the guys who are getting after the guys who throw and catch the ball. So uh, I think that that's just the nature of where the NFL is going out today, and the Jaguars are going to be, you know, the next team to kind of follow that. John Shipley, Jaguar Report, joining us here on 3 and Out. John, uh, top pick in the second round. What do you think? Uh, there was so much focus at number one, and everybody's talked about how deep this thing is. What are the Jags looking at there at the top of the second, top of the third, uh, to try to, 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 to add to this roster? Yeah, no, I, I think that there's a lot of options that they could really have. I think, you know, for one, there is the fact that, you know, linebacker is a major, you know, need on the roster. They, they, they had several guys who played a significant snaps for them last year. Linebacker, you know, go ahead and move on this offseason, whether it's, you know, a guy like Miles Jack, a guy like Emmian Wilson and Dakota Allen. So, I mean, linebacker, Quay Walker, Christian Harris, Names like that could make sense. Then offensive line, I think, you know, they don't go offensive line at one. I think that could be a compromise. Doug Peterson, like, hey, you know, we might have not taken your lineman at one, but here's a chance to get, you know, another guy that's really talented. I think, you know, Tyler Lindenbaum at center and Tyler Smith at either tackle or guard, I think those are two guys that make a lot of sense. And John, when you think about this Jags team, obviously going number one, uh, number one overall, back to back is something that just doesn't happen. Especially when you think about uh, got teams like Detroit, who is picking number two, they get Aiden Hutchinson. You talk about you talk about guys they can quality depth they can get uh, in the second, third, and, and the latter rounds. Very, very young team, twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, getting adding a, adding a guy like hopefully uh, Travis Etienne at the running back position. Can this team compete in twenty twenty two? Yeah, I, I mean, that's, that's absolutely the million-dollar question. And I think that, you know, if, if you're asking the Jaguars, you know, they're not a team that's saying, hey, we're okay with not really doing anything this year and, you know, improving in the next couple of years for the long haul. I really think the Jaguars, you know, would obviously prefer to have this thing kick-started. I'm not sure if the roster is quite there yet to me. If you sign, you know, seven or eight free agents in the first two days and, then, you know, you're looking at likely making 12 draft picks, uh, you know, over this week. I think that shows you just how far off their roster is. So I, I do think they'll be better simply because of, you know, the coaching change. But I, I don't think they'll be good enough to really compete next year. John Shipley joining us here on 3 Out. John, to that end, uh, obviously various teams have different approaches to the draft based on how their roster looks and all that. 
How many of these guys are the Jags looking at to start year one that they acquire in this draft? Uh, obviously, the first round pick is going to be, but how deep into that draft are they looking at guys that they feel like could start or play a significant amount of snaps? Yeah, I mean, when you look at their draft picks, you know, they hold 12 picks. But overall, you know, only four of those picks come in the top 100. Uh, all four of those are in the top 70. You know, they have the first and second round pick cannot be trounced. And then they have picks number 65 and pick 70. I think those four picks are where they're going to want to get those instant contributors from. And, you know, later when you get later on in the draft, you know, rounds four, round five, I think that's where, you know, you look to shore up your depth maybe get some guys for down the road. But I think really, ideally, the first four players they pick, they will see as guys who will either start or, you know, at the very least compete to start right away. Having a guy like Doug Peterson there is definitely going to help. And when you think about uh, just stabilizing this entire franchise with everything they had to deal with last year with Urban Meyer, Chris Dodd, you know, Tim Tebow, to say to name a few. How much, how much, uh, you know, how much going into this draft, you know, because I know that Trent Baalke is the GM. I know I heard some rumors they might be uh, getting an assistant GM coming from San Francisco. Debo Samuel is a very, very disgruntled customer in San Francisco. Is there a shot that if they get, in the, if they get uh, the GM or – uh, assistant GM uh, come behind Balky from San Francisco to maybe Debo Samuels name would come up and maybe a trade uh, for the draft. Yeah, no, I, I think there definitely have been some people, you know, connecting the dots, especially if the Jaguars end up hiring, you know, Ethan Wall as assistant GM, which ESPN floated out there, uh, I, I believe it was last Thursday. That's a potential thing that could happen after the draft. But I just I, – I don't think the Jaguars who, you know, they thought – they thought really, you know, paying Amari Cooper's contract was too much. You know, they they were a team that they saw the Tyreek Hill deal, and they they didn't want any part of that. So I just think after the additions that they made at wide receiver this offseason, even if Debo Samuel would be far and away their best player on offense, I just don't think the Jaguars are in the market to make that kind of big move for receiver, especially after everything that they they've done this offseason. John Shipley, Jaguar Report, our guest here on Three and Out. John, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate it. The Jaguar is going to be on the clock first up on Thursday. We've got more to come three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here on three and out. We'll get to take three uh, coming up next hour. Also, the Braves uh, still haven't won a series, but if you're not Braves fans, you just need to calm down. Uh, Just like, hey, it's fine. It hasn't been a great start. It will get better. There's a guy that's wearing number 13 that should be back relatively soon. So looking forward to that when I'm talking about, of course, Ronald Acuna, who's got it a little bit longer to go in Gwinnett, Ben, and then hopefully back in that DH role with the Atlanta Braves. Kevin, I will say this. I, I, I'm used to like seeing things with the Braves and feeling a certain type of way. You know, I only wear, I only wear Braves A-Town fitters, as you know, anybody that don't know me, but I'm noticing that the Braves, they have a lot of people more than just me. A lot of these, uh, a lot of people outside of, Oh, Truist Park be getting mad. But, look, I, something you told me, I think you said the Braves got the same record uh, as they did this time last yeah, year. Yep. But, once again, when you got when you got a boulder on your finger to show That's that true. you won the freaking World Series, everything you do is magnified. Why? Because you could be the Tigers. You know, you could be teams that are very, very irrelevant. And, I, you know, you go to those message boards, you see it. But, no, nah, Kevin, I do agree. It's not depending. 17 games. I get it. It's the Marlins. I get it. It's still early. I mean, uh, you know, so at the end of the day, Kevin, as long as you ain't, as long as you ain't panicking, like I said, if you, yeah, if not you come here, you shaved all your head, you just shaved it all bald because you can't deal with the Braves, then I'll, lo- I'll that lose. That will I'll, never I'll, happen. <laughs> Hour two coming up next.
Good to have you back here, three and out. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, on your mobile device, ESPN app. You can also catch us live streaming on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Our YouTube channel, at ESPN Coastal on YouTube. We encourage you to give us a uh, subscription, follow us along, and uh, don't miss a single moment of the show uh, that way through our YouTube page. we got a lot to get to coming up here in our number two. Obviously, the draft upcoming. Look at the Braves. Uh, who still haven't won a series. And, of course, more draft talks still to come as Corey Yates uh, will break down the analytics of Aiden Hutchinson v. Trayvon Walker, CEO of Recruiting Analytics. So looking forward to having him on the program. That being said, Ben, let's take three here on 3 and Out. All right, take one, Ben. Georgia Southern had their spring game this weekend. They put up 79 combined points uh, in the ball game. I think the winning team had 51. Are you buying an offensive explosion from Georgia Southern here in 2022? I am. I am. And uh, and the reason why I'm buying it, Kevin, is if, if I'm not mistaken, I think they got the former uh, offensive coordinator for Western Kentucky. If you had a chance to see what they what they put up, I mean, they 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 putting up big numbers. And, and Kevin, you said this. You said, look, man, you're going to have to do something offensively to, to get this fan base because, obviously, if you're going to get away from the triple, Gonna get away from the option. What are we gonna do now? Now the defense didn't give you much to feel good about, but I think the fact that both offenses went out there and showed a lot of explosiveness because a lot of time it be the starting offense and the second team kind of fizzles a little bit. It kind of showing you that look, if we can, while our defense gets going, we are gonna try to keep pace with teams, you know, on the scoreboard. I mean, seventy one points definitely keeps them in. The, definitely keeps the, uh, the crowd into it. I mean, if you play defense, hey man, you're going up against guys. It's not like you're really hitting guys for it. You kind of know where some of these plays are going. You got to look out for each other. You want to have. But 71 points, Kevin, I think, listen, so far, Coach Hilton, he's checking off all the boxes. I mean, he got the fan base. He's embracing He's embracing GATA. He's embracing, you know, everything going on in Paulson. 71 points are definitely, uh, you know, get you, uh, get you a lot of thumbs up around, around Statesboro. Yeah, and again, 51 uh, by one team, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, if you could do half of that. Uh, consistently, if you could do you know half of seventy nine total points, if you could put up thirty something a game, you're gonna win a lot of ball games there in uh, in Statesboro. But I, I agree, Ben. It's a spring game, man. Like you have to come out there and say we're ditching what you know because we think this is gonna work better. And well, how do you show that it works better? Well, we just dropped nearly eighty points in a spring game between right. the between the two offenses that uh, that went out there and, and did it. You got to show that uh, these guys know what they're doing and they can uh, you know. Go out there and light up that scoreboard. So uh, kudos there to Georgia Southern. All right, Ben, moving along. Take two. Hawks are down 3-1 to the Miami Heat. Uh, They will play game five tomorrow. What got exposed about this year's team that didn't last year? Toughness. That when I when I when I look at this year's team, is last year was a scrappy bunch. Kevin that was playing kind of like with that moniker of, okay, man, you know Lloyd Pierce is gone. You, you know you go, you add Coach McMillan, you understand that we're a very very young team. That's not that's go, we always gonna be scratching the claw for respect in the East. That's that's led by Milwaukee. That's led by Miami. That's led by everybody not named the Hawks. And I think last year, Kevin, they was playing with that backs against the wall mentality of we're gonna force you to respect us game in and game out. Whether we up or down in the series, we're gonna force the best out of you. I think this year. The one thing I got about a team like Miami and Jimmy Butler and company, they, you know, and the one thing that's got to is they're not responding. I mean, they, you know, I think when when uh, when they when they down two zero, then they get then they get a big win in game three, and people are like, okay, man, maybe they can try to tie this thing up. And Jimmy Butler and company go out there and show. Jimmy Butler saying, all right, I'm never I've never ever been a superstar like a guy like Trey Young, but I am a headliner. 
They're they're proving this. They're proving this year to show you know their lack of focus sometimes and their lack of just details. I I understand they're a good team. And I understand they can play with the best of them, but you got to prove it. No one saw this team coming from you know uh, you know uh, losing to the eventual you know world champs in Milwaukee, going to the Eastern Conference Finals, to, to potentially being bounced. In the, in round one, I, th- I I just think that for me, Kevin, it's toughness, it's attention to detail, and hey man, you got to grow up. Everybody's young, you know, 24, 25 years old. You got to go out there and show you have staying power. That, what has got exposed this year is, I mean, Coach McMillan did a good job for a filling role after Lloyd Pierce. As far as like him being the main guy, they're gonna have to show they're not just a flash in the pan. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think the lack of a number two guy in the in the lineup to me is, is what it is. Like John Collins should be bigger, right? Uh, should be that guy, and, and and you and I were talking like, you know, John Collins doesn't really say, "Give me the ball" uh, enough. Like he kind of goes out there, he'll he'll get it in certain spots, and he'll clean up rebounds and get some, you know, get some some garbage points to kind of help him out. But not really a guy that says, "Give me the ball." You know, like you're. And again, I'm not saying he's, you know, a Kevin Garnett or a guy like that. But those guys would ask for the ball, even when they had point guards that could score. Like even at certain sets, you want to come down and have a number two that is going to hurt you. I mean, right now. Who do you fear outside of Trey Young? Because because right now Trey Young's the guy distributing the basketball yeah. as well. So it's like if we can stop Trey Young, who's he going to get the ball to? And if we can control who he gets the ball to, uh, we can control them a little bit. Now, to me, that's been the biggest thing to me is that there's no no second option consistently night in and night out that scares anybody. And not only is it not a second option, Kevin, there is because maybe it's not a sec- second option individually. You could be a section option, a second option collectively, but it's not. Herder some nights, you know, DeAndre Hunter some nights, Bogdanovich some nights, Kyler some nights, never night in, night out. It's almost like I think I think that's like the one thing that's not appreciated enough. If, if I, you know, if I got a guy, Trey Young, who I know he means so much, not just scoring the basketball, you're talking about getting guys open, distributing the basketball, getting his teammate open looks, you got to hit those open looks. He's the smallest guy on the court. Every single time he's out there and he plays like he's seven feet. Yet, Collins, who's almost seven feet, sometimes he's not on the court. So I do think that they thought that, hey, man, we was really good last year. We could flip a switch this year. Now when you got teams, you know, now when you got teams that's saying, look, man, we want to be the next face of it. We Teams want to have what Golden State had. They want to, they, they realize that LeBron is missing the playoffs. They want to be able to say, this is a LeBron-less playoffs. And yet, you know, Trey and company about to go home. I just think for me, Kevin, you're right. Lack of toughness, lack, lack of just uh, attention to detail, no no solid number two. And unfortunately, this year, they underwhelm, man, because it's like when you don't have expectations for Atlanta, they go out there and, you know, supersede them. But when you do, they underwhelm. And I think for me, Kevin, in the East, it's getting only, only getting competitive year in and year out. I think this team is, uh, you know, very, very disappointed, not just for being a Hawks fan and just obviously covering the Hawks, but I think around the NBA, people expect more from them. All right, moving on, Ben. Take three, Shad Khan, uh, who is the owner of the Jaguars, uh, says they will firm up their draft board on Wednesday ahead of the draft. You would hope it might have been firm. You have the number one pick. You would hope it had been firmed up uh, maybe before Wednesday, but they will firm up their draft board Wednesday in a meeting with Trent Baalke and Doug Peterson. Who wins out? The coach or the GM? One obviously likes Trayvon Walker. I think Doug Peterson would really love to go offense. But who wins out in firming up that draft board? I, th- I think Trent Baalke wins out this year, and they're going to see just how better the team is uh, with a guy like Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson goes out and he's competitive this year. That's I mean, because I don't know no other team trying to go out and get no assistant GM. That would be the Jags. Now, 
Does it really matter if you get an assistant GM if he gets him after the draft? I mean, I understand that you got to have a GM to make sure you're keeping guys, you know, who's available. Unless he's a GM in waiting. Yeah, you know, and and, 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 and let's say, let's let's call it what it really is. The one guy is getting it because because of his position and loyalty. Trent Baalke is GM. He's been there the longest. But Doug Peterson, you know, former, former Super Bowl champ. So I think this year, Kevin, just to keep kind of the building intact, Balky's gonna win. But that Balky pick better 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 go out there and show up because if not, you know, he already bringing in a, like I said a potential GM, uh, you know, uh, coming from San Francisco. But I just think that Balky does win out this year. It's always scary to me when you got to have assistants that that usually don't have assistants. I ain't never heard no assistant GM. I ain't never heard no assistant president. You know, when it comes to these organizations, you got a president. You got a head coach, you got an owner, you got a GM. What are you? I'm the defensive coordinator. What are you? I'm the assistant defensive coordinator. What? What are you? I'm the OC. I'm the I'm the assistant OC. No, I'm an assistant coach and head coaches. I got that. I got the head trainer and assistant trainers. I'm not the assistant head trainer. Because then it's going to be the assistant. To the, no, 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 no. Trent Baalke will win out this year, Kevin. But you know, just like I know, the only person who has confidence, real confidence in Trent Baalke is Mr. Khan. That's it. Everybody else is manufactured. They don't got come. If you are Josh Allen, you have no. Now you appreciate, you know him them drafting you, but you look at all the other things they did. So I, I think that uh, Balky wins in 2022, 2023, depending on how they finish in 2022, it will be uh, probably Doug Peterson and company. I mean, again, I, I far be it for me to tell somebody in in professional sports to set their ego aside because I mean I think Ben, you know, I mean people sometimes people say they don't, but if you're in a power position. You got an ego. Yeah, of course. Right? You don't become, like, like people are, you know, kind of dumbfounded sometimes. They're like, Nick Saban's a type A. Every college head coach is kind of a type A personality, at least at, the, you know, a lot of major programs. Are you really surprised? Do you think anybody at a NFL head coaching level is not a type A? Like, I want to be in control of everything. Yes. Of course they are. That's how they got there. Yes. Uh, doing that. Same with GM. Same with owners. Same with... Of with course. all that. And, and so it's like, of who wins out? To me, somebody needs to set their ego aside, and it probably is Trent Baalke, and say, listen, we went out and hired a coach who won a Super Bowl. We did that for a reason. Because the last guy I hired turned us into a sideshow and a, a laughing stock and an embarrassment, and we had to fire him before the season was over. Maybe we hired the guy that won a Super Bowl. Did he win a Super Bowl by fluke? Did he win a Super Bowl by accident? Did he win a Super Bowl because he's a good coach and knows what he needs to be successful? Maybe. I know nobody wants to get fired, but maybe you listen to that guy Hello. when it comes to putting his Hello. team together. I, and I'm not saying that a head coach is right every time, but when you say, hey, we want to be an offensive-based team, you're an offensive coach. What do you need? And at the end of the day, if I say I gave him what he wanted, yep. but, 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 but a guy that has that, that would be like somebody with enough you know, Hood's put a look at going to the, the the draft meeting, and I know you can say, well, it was Tom Brady. It was a lot more than that. Look at Bill Belichick and say, Bill, I really don't think you know what you're doing personnel-wise. Let's do it my way. And Bill's going to say, hold on one second. I got to take these rings off my fingers real quick. Oh, oh, I need two hands to do that, by mm-hmm. the way. So at some point, you just look at it and say, you obviously know what works. Let's try that. I'm the guy that's being put up on worst GM lists. Not that they read that stuff, but anyways. But 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 but, but, but there's a lot of ego in those draft rooms. It, it is. And, it, it's, and, it's ego throughout. It's ego throughout. But think about this, Kevin. You, what what if Doug Peterson say I got invited to this party, Trent Baalke? What it's called? I don't know. The Super Bowl winning party. 
<laughs> no, Andy <laughs> Reid is there, and Sean McVay is there, and Mike Tomlin is there, and you know, uh, you know, Bill Belichick is there. Uh, that's it. You were GM with the what? The 49ers when you yeah, yeah, fell so, apart. So, so what? So what happens? So what happens is they go. Um, I got let go in Philly because they thought that you know going in a different direction would help them. What has happened since I left? And they're the the same. Oh, here's a, here's another thought. The guy that you spent fifty million dollars on after he won the Super Bowl, Nick Foles, he has a statue outside of when he played for me. So it didn't work for you. So not only did you want me, you took one of my players, brought him over here. Now he's been on another team since then. But I just think I just think that certain, certain times, Kevin, I think that by putting ego aside, because I'm like, okay, you want your pick just to want your pick. I I get it. I get it. You the GM. I get it. But let's let's do what the old coach you hired did. Show me your resume. Because I can show you mine. Yours is Black Bortles. <laughs> I'm just saying. So I think that J- Jalen Ramsey. Was he around to do? I don't think he was around to do Blake Bortles. But I mean, uh, but- Jay, hold on, where is it? Jalen Ramsey. Gone. Got yeah, Calais, Cam- go got, got yeah. Campbell. Gone. Unique Dockway. Gone. And, and the list just goes on. Leonard Fournette. Gone. Leonard Fournette. Super Bowl champ. Jalen Ramsey. Super Bowl champ. All I'm saying is when you look at, when you look at the track records, Track records just speak for themselves. This ain't about ego and pride, man. That's what that's what it takes to, to help win you games. Making decisions when you're doing that, that's what loses you games. Here you go. The last two years, you have picked back-to-back number one overall picks. I The last time I was the head coach, if I can remember, I was picking 32. That means we won the Super Bowl. So I'm just saying, I just, I just do think that, and they're not bringing in an assistant head coach for me. They're bringing in an assistant GM for you. Because they don't behind the scene, they ain't trust you, and they need another eye. So we'll we'll see, Kevin. I, I do think at the end of the day, you give Balky the benefit of the doubt because he do know kind of what he's doing. But in the grand scheme of things, I would go with Doug Peterson because this is a guy that didn't just know what he was doing. He was the last team standing with Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, Sean McVay, and so forth in the league at the time as a head coach. I, I again, I I agree. I do think it's going to end up being Trent Balky though that wins out, and as you said. It would appear that the guy that has the most confidence in him is Sean Conn, who owns the whole team. So you kind of know how that goes at the end of the day. That's take three. We do it every day at this time. We'll come back so much more to get you draft, draft, draft uh, this week as uh, the NFL getting ready to, to do it up big there in Las Vegas. This is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back on this Monday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. Draft coming up starting on Thursday we will be live at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Coming out, watch the draft with us. Going to have a great uh, draft challenge. Uh, ben, top ten picks. Uh, pick them with us. Whoever gets the most right, i.e., like if you pick number one, number two, not, hey, I picked a guy that went in the top ten. No, you need to pick who goes number ten, et cetera. Whoever gets the most right, win a, a 70-inch flat screen. Ooh. What I was just I was just told that before we came back. So, come join us on Thursday. Have a little fun watching the draft. Grab you some uh, you know some food there. Cut some chicken wings, pizza, burgers. They got all the ice cold beverages you can want. And soak in the draft and boo whatever pick you want to boo. I would say cheer, but people go people when they get a pick they like they're like unless it's just overwhelmingly you know the a wildly popular pick like most people are like all right all right. Or it's just, oh, boo, we stink. That's why, why do we screw this up all the time? So I want you to come do that with us at Coach's Corner. Have a little fun with us. Looking forward to it. I mean, Coach's Corner always, uh, you know, I just very, very hospitable to us, Kevin, as you mentioned, yep. the top 10, you know, the top 10 picks. 
I just think that because of the Jags, right? They can really the Jags and really gonna the, mess the, everything the, up. The Jags or the Lions, depending on what they because the thing about it, these mock drafts, man. I I know to not look at them, right? Just don't look at them. I look at them anyway, and no and no one two are the same. I don't know if it's you know clickbait or what may have you. But it's going to be exciting. Nothing is, The top 10 picks in the National Football League every year is one of the most exciting things you're going to, because everybody everybody thought they had a clue of what was going to happen. Sure. And then when they when they finally, the pick finally come, we was there. Kevin, what, four years ago when Baker Mayfield went number one overall? And people were like, what? Like, obviously, I mean, he just had a statue unveiled, uh, you know, of him, you know, at Oklahoma, spoke to the team for the spring game, which means if he got one, Kyler Murray's probably going to get one. Both of them winning the Heisman, going back-to-back number one overall picks. But – that's what I mean when you say the draft. Either you're gonna get a guy that's gonna, re- you know, uh, just really, really just get your uh, take your uh, uh, organization out the dark ages, you know, via, you know, Maddie Ice, or you could you be the same Baker Mayfield four years ago going number one overall who doesn't have a home right now. Like he really right now because they got Deshaun Watson there. I think they got uh, Jacoby Brissett there. You know, I mean, you know, I think they got a, I think they got a, 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 a Josh Dobbs. I think, I think, I think he's there as well. Everybody, but. Baker Mayfield, but you're right, Kevin. Two people, two two uh, things are bound to happen. One, um, uh, I think uh, the commissioner is going to get booed. Roger Goodell is going to get booed. <laughs> it's become the end thing. Right? Yeah, he's going mean, really. to get he's gonna, he's gonna get booed before the draft and a bunch of and get loved up during the draft. And then the Jets pick whoever the Jets get is they are sure to boo him because I don't know what the Jets uh, what gives the Jets fans the audacity to boo anybody. You should be happy to get anybody at this point. But yes. Gonna be at Coach Corner Thursday. Come out, you know, like you say, you know, myself, Kevin, you know, Chris, yep. and some of the gang is gonna be there. But the I will say, the Coach Corner food is excellent. I mean, I, is, yeah. I usually tend to stick to to what I do, but I'm just saying, I might have to, you know, I might have to go a little deep into the menu on Thursday. Absolutely, come join us. And again, might the top ten be? E- I say easier. It's never easy, but uh-huh. might it be easier than in years past? Because we just chatted with John Shipley. He said, "Look, I don't expect there to be a lot of trades uh, in the top ten, simply because." If we don't get our guy, there's a guy that's pretty darn close to him later in the draft. Very deep, very balanced draft. So nobody really worth trading up for. And you can get a similar guy later in the draft. So to me, that makes it very interesting. Could have a great shot at getting a number of these correct. And he said, despite all the noise, he still thinks Aiden Hutchinson is going to be the guy. But do you feel like it could be a pretty bland top ten? I mean, outside of somebody trading up for Malik Willis, which I don't even know how many teams in the top ten are looking for a guy like that. Or Kenny Pickett, how many trades do you think we even see? I mean, is Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett worth moving up seven, eight spots and giving up another number one pick for? I don't know. Do you think we could see a relatively light round one as far as trades are concerned, just simply because there's not the value to move up? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well yeah, Kevin. I don't. While it's not suspenseful, doesn't mean it's going to go chalk either. Like, I, I mean, I think that. The wild cards are going to be these quarterbacks, right? Because we don't know where they're going to go. And who gets scared to snag one, Kevin? Because in their mind, well, I mean, you got three quarterbacks next year. You know, it's going to be really, really good. Um, you know, Caleb Williams and, uh, you know, uh, C.J. Stroud and obviously Bryce Young. Well, that's well, 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 that's three teams. What about what if you pick number four? What if you pick number five? So I do think, Kevin, as much as we think we know. And then this is about where they go more than the fact that we know they're going. Is Kayvon Thibodeau going to go number three? Or does he go number eight? Does Kyle Hamilton, you know, I've heard some things saying guys like a, you know, because obviously, Kevin, this is the top ten. I mean, the top ten is so prestigious because you want to look back on these things and say, oh, man, we was, we was the guy we want to, you know, he was at number ten, we was picking number 11. Or 
the guy we wanted went pick six, we'll pick, you know, things like we'll pick seven or eight or what may have you. It's still going to be intriguing because all we're doing is talking about the quarterbacks, talking about some, uh, talking about some, some cornerbacks, some receivers, some pass rushes. Well, these offensive linemen are the cream of the crop too. I mean, where does Evan Neal go? Because that's because because once Evan Neal, it's like once the first guy go, if, once the number one player go at that position, then the trickle effect go. Who's going to be the first receiver taken? How high does he go? Who's going to be the first quarterback taken? How high does he go? How high does the guy like who's who's the first cornerback taken? Is it Darius Stingley Jr.? Is it is it Sauce Gardner? You know, where does a guy like Kyrie Elam from Florida go? You know, stuff like that. I just think that Kevin, what makes it so intriguing is the fact that at least we kind of know some of these guys. You've heard their names. For the last three months, every other day, if not every day, or rather on social media or on some, you know, uh, you know, on some news site or some, you know, some sports network. So I'm intrigued to see where they go. We gonna be oohing and eyeing like we got a horse. And, oh well, if you're trying to get that 70 inch, you know, I'm just saying. Yeah. I mean, who would have ever thought, Kevin? You know, our lives would just come down to you know the TV size. 70. What? How big is it? 85. Inch. I'm Absolutely. just saying, man. I, I remember when a plasma TV was a myth. Like, man, ain't no way now. Trying to tell you, 70-inch TV, I'm trying to get me one. I wish I was a part of it, but I can't. We've got a lot to get to here on 3 and Out. So much more to uh, to come. a look at the Braves and more of the draft. Falcons at number eight. We'll play a little uh, game with Ben in the final hour of who would you rather take? If you have to take one, who would you rather take if you're in that position? We'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Ray. Ray, welcome to 3 and Out. How are you? Doing good, doing good. Uh, really enjoy listening to you guys show all the time. Um, I think Ben's right, you know, because the, the linchpin is usually in the draft, the uh, quarterback situation. Um, I think what we're actually going to see is we're going to see a number of trades, but they'll start in the second round or maybe at the bottom of the first because I think the second round is when you start to see those runs on certain positions. You know, like if – if you're taking offensive linemen and uh, edge rushers in the first round, you know, and then you got the teams that go and get the best fit and stuff like that, but then that second round comes around, and because this draft is deep, then it, it's day two, second, and third round is when you start to see some trades because some teams are going to go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a little bit more of a gap between this guy and the next guy as far as who we like. And I think that's when you're going to start to see somebody try to get a steal. Or maybe somebody is infatuated with a quarterback but doesn't want to do it in the first round. You know, So then they try to make that steal in the second round. Could be. Ray, who's your team? Uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Who do you want to see them take? That can be. Well, in the first round, I was hoping that maybe a guy like Trayvon Walker could fall, but I don't. I don't know that that's going to happen. Um, I do want to see us take a guy like that, but if there is a top-rated offensive lineman there, you know, like if an Evan Neal or somebody that like that is there at eight, how do you not take him? You know, especially with a guy like Arthur Smith running things. So, um, second round, I do second or third round, I do want to see them take a quarterback since we've got two picks in each round, um, just because I think that we might. Based on this last year, we might be a little too good to be in the top ten, and you don't—you still got a lot of team to build, so you don't want to start selling away picks to get up, you know, high in the first round to get one of those nice-looking quarterbacks. Hey, Ray, we appreciate the call. Thanks so much. Yes, sir. Hey, appreciate appreciate it. it opens up a line nine one two three four two seven one eight four. What do you want to see out of the draft? 
Uh, Falcons fans, Jags fans, love to, to see Ruben. The, the Falcons are so intriguing. And again, just what Ray said, do you build, get a quarterback now just in case what we've talked about before, Marcus Mariota is yes. going to make you not good enough to be a playoff team, but good enough to get out of the top eight? Ah. Uh, I, to me, that's a tough call. I, I, and again, I I kind of feel like with Mariota, you've committed to a rebuild of some sorts. I don't know if I go quarterback here, and that's why I've been at least an advocate of trading back if you can. It doesn't sound like there's going to be uh, a lot in the first round just because of how how deep and even that draft is. A trading back and trying to get you mentioned two picks in each of those rounds, right? I would love to have two picks in the first round next year. So one, even if you are satisfied at quarterback, you get two really good ball players, or you could package that to get one of those quarterbacks that I think by all accounts, those top three that Ben mentioned will all probably end up being higher rated for whatever that's worth than any of the guys that are in the draft this year. Yeah, but, so, but, having, but having two seconds and two thirds definitely does help, Kevin. I think, once again, you know, second-round talent, second, going into the second round doesn't mean you have first-round ability. Going into the third round doesn't mean you have second or first-round ability. I think when you look, the thing about the draft is you want to stockpile. Obviously, Marcus Mariota is your guy. But you're still gonna be grooming somebody for the future. He is not the future. He is the he know he is the present. He signed a two year deal, right? So if you can get you, I don't know, Sam Howell, Matt Corral, Desmond Ritter, guys, it's probably gonna slip to the second round. Cause let's face it, man, football is about development. You and you got to have something to work with, right? I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I know people, I know people gonna say it now. Let's not act as if everybody saw Tom Brady become. And I'm not saying I mean, that's but, the barometer. Is that the exception? Like how many? Over the life of the of the NFL, I mean, a lot of ones, a lot of two. How many fifth and sixth round QBs end up being even seven, eight year starters? Obviously, not the goat in a twenty year career in the NFL. It, I mean, is, it is, it is, it is, it is very, it is very much the exception. It is very much. But let's act. Let's not act as if, you know, let's not act. To as me, if that's being, a dangerous game. Trying to well, find no, no, the needle well, in the haystack. Well, not, all the time. Not, not, not as much as you may think, Kevin. I mean, two hundred fifty some guys are gonna get drafted. That's needles. That's that's some very that's some needles in the haystack, right? Half of those guys are not going to be on NFL rosters in 2022, right? Then you got the then it goes back to the 53 man roster. Oh, made the team, ma. Hey, ma, I made the team. Boom. You get then obviously you got your first practice. Hey, man, that's the starter. Yeah, you got you on the help squad. Even though you were paying you, you got to help be a show. You you got to you know you got to be on the scout team. Even though you ain't on the scout team to be you know the help team for the defense. All right, show up to the game, dressed to the nines. First game as a rookie, I'm ready. You come in there, they're taking you, they're taking you. You see your jersey being taken off the shoulder pads because you're down. Why? Because you ain't make the 47. What? I've mean, practice all week. I'm telling you, the thing about the National Football League is we get fixated on certain guys. Hey, man, this guy went first round. This guy went second round. All right, I get it. The greatest tight end to ever play, you know, football, in my opinion, right? The two, the two, one was a second-round pick in Gronk. The other one, I think, was a fifth-round pick in Shannon Sharp, right? Both had to be developed, right? Now, both one played with John Elway. I get it. Other played with Tom Brady. I ain't mad at them for that. But we don't take away the development side of football, and I and I and I think that what happens is reason why Tom Brady's still in the league is because not because he can play, he thinks he's better than all the other quarterbacks. I don't think this dude's better than me. Like, show me who's better than me. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers throw a better ball than me. Yeah, yeah, Patrick Mahomes can throw a seventy up. They better than me. So I think that when you think about what it is, is Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the reason why you say, dude, he is not the barometer. But if you can get a guy in the right system, Mac Jones as a rookie last year won. That's why. And they, you know, so I think that when you look at what these quarterbacks and what these players can bring to the table, certain guys we say, "Oh man, Von Miller, okay, he he actually came out of Texas A&M and balled, right?" I get that part. Jamal Anderson from Arkansas. I'm just saying when he came, when he got drafted, he was like, 
And it ain't his fault, right? It ain't his fault. No, but it, it be yeah, like, yeah. No, no, he, you know who every linebacker gets compared to in Atlanta? Keith Brooking. Keith Brooking spent his whole life in Atlanta, didn't he? I think he's from Atlanta, went to Georgia Tech, got, got drafted. But everybody, and then Keith Brooking ended up going to the freaking Cowboys. Keith, I'm never going <laughs> to forgive you for that. And if I ever meet him, I'm going to tell him that. Get your money, but. You won't have to go on, very Keith. far. <laughs> you won't have to go very far. I won't. He's right out there at Savannah Christian. Yeah, exactly. You won't have to go very far. <laughs> Keith, come hit up Ben at the studio. <laughs> Say it to my face. We'll come back. It's three and out all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Draft coming up on Thursday. Hope you'll join us at Coach's Corner. Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Got a, uh, a little game we're going to do for the first round. First 10 picks. Whoever can get the most picks right out there at Coach's Corner. Win a 70-inch flat screen TV from Coach's Corner. So a great opportunity to come out have some fun. Again, I know people come to us. I was like, I don't know. It's like, hey, you, you think Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay? No, no, they know. They think they know. And then they get those uh, inside texts, you know, five seconds before the pick's made. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, we were right. They got a good idea. So their guess really is as good as your guess. So come on out to Coach's Corner mm-hmm. and play along with us. Going to have a lot of fun there on Thursday. Braves have not won a series yet, Ben. Dropped two of three to the Marlins. Disappointing start still uh, for Atlanta. I say disappointing. I'm not. It's, it's not panic mode uh, if you're a fan of the Braves. Disappointing. However... As Ben said earlier in the show, the Braves are 7-10. and 10. Last year, the Braves won the World Series. Correct? Okay. The Braves were, last year through 17 games, the Braves were 7-10. and 10. Mm. So, no panic time. Again, and you said, well, that team added pieces. Uh, but what's this team fixing to do? Right? Potentially as early I mean, as I mean, I don't know if they finna, they finna add that. I don't even know. I don't even know if you're gonna call that peace yeah. back, but whoo. I'm but just potentially saying. Potentially as early as next week, uh, when the Braves go to New York to take on the Mets. <coughs> he could be back and had a heck of a weekend or heck of a week there in Jacksonville. I think was uh, gonna have a uh, a day off uh either today or tomorrow as Gwinnett was back at home and then play a couple of days uh this week and then Again, he's only being asked to DH when he comes to Atlanta. So, is he capable enough to do that? I mean, dude is out there stealing bags and stretching, you know, scoring from second on a single, sliding head first at home. Dude looks like he feels pretty good. Again, I'm no doctor. I'm only looking at the tape. But the tape looks pretty good, Ben, uh, that he might be ready here pretty soon. Ronald Cooney Jr. made a statement. He said, and I quote, Man, when I first had my injury, I didn't think I could be my, you know, come back to be like I was. Now I feel like I could, I could be better than I was. Now that's now this is coming from him. Now, this thing about Ronald Cooney Jr. I don't care if he say he's ready, like you say, Kevin, because we we've been watching the clock. Because we, I, I don't even talk about the Mike Soroka clock until Ronald Cooney gets back. Then we'll go to Mike Soroka. Yeah, just the energy he brings, just the, you know, like certain guys just got that it factor. Certain guys understand they the, they the heart and soul. Ronald Cooney Jr. understands too, man. He he's itching to get back because while they won the World Series and he was obviously on that squad, he wasn't a key contributor down the stretch because of the injury. I just hope that you know his 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 mind ain't working fast in his body. He's very he's still very very young. Um, injuries are gonna be a part of it. He's a very very uh very very gifted uh player when you know. But like I said, Kevin, I mean people don't know how hard it is. I mean scoring from second on on a, on, a, on you know on grounders, man. That's that's. <laughs> you, you, some of these, some of these outfielders, man, they are elite. They, they want you to try them. They're like, man, I ain't even gonna throw my arm out trying to throw this dude out. But I am happy that he's, he is on schedule. 
He is looking to be back sooner rather than later. He's making statements. Uh, if you've been to Gwinnett or, you know, Jacksonville, Florida, you've gotten to see a treat. I mean, think about that. You down there in Jacksonville, you just going to the ballpark. They're like, it's Ronald Cunha's playing day. What? The Ronald Cunha? Yeah. There I think they gonna... definitely sold a few extras. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, again, for what I saw – uh, of of his time there uh, when they were playing at Jacksonville. It looked really, really good. And you want to talk about an injection into this lineup, uh, Ben. I mean, you start talking off Ronald Acuna, Matt Olson. Matt Olson has been the hottest hitter in the National League. He's been on base uh, more than anybody else. Got more hits than anybody else, I think, in the National League. So uh, he's done his part. Marcelo Zuna, Austin Riley, they've done their part. Then you move Ozzy Albies down farther. You kind of help out the bottom of that lineup. And I think the Braves will be just fine. Again, that was kind of one of those series where I got the the game one win. You hope, okay, maybe this is one where they can take two out of three and uh, start to get their groove back. Now you get the Cubs coming in, uh, a chance to do the same thing. This is a Cubs team that has got some good players. Are they expected to contend? No. Uh, So it seems like the Cubs have always kind of had a couple of series where uh, the, it's kind of turned the Braves series around. I, I remember a couple of seasons ago, the Braves were in Chicago uh, and playing awful, and then they had a big comeback I, uh, comeback win late on the last day of that series, and they kind of started, for whatever reason, kind of snapped it into playing better. Maybe that, maybe that's the, the secret elixir here is playing uh, play at Chicago. But, again, this Braves team is doing, I think, what you're supposed to do, Ben, when you're missing one of the best players in the game, and that's tread water. Hey, we're going to tread water. We're hanging around 500. Would you like to be over 500? Of course you would. But 7-10 is not bad uh, a place to be baseball-wise. I know the Mets have gotten off to a good start, but, hey, you're the same people freaking out about the start the Mets got off with the same people calling us up going, hey, Mets, go to Met. Well, if you believe that, then you're fine. And you're going to add a huge piece in Ronald Acuna. I mean, Ben, to me, the impact of Ronald Acuna mm-hmm. could be – as much as you got with Soler, Rosario, and Peterson all rolled into one guy. Why? Well, because he can play defense. He can throw. He can hit. He can hit for power. He can steal. He can hit for average. He's the five-tool guy that uh, that you can get back in that lineup. I mean, right now the defense looks abysmal out there at times in the outfield. This is a all-around player. When he comes back and is able to play in the field every day, you really get a boost. But just having him in the lineup yep. is so dangerous and changes the complexity uh, uh, of everything, you know, akin to football. Oh, uh, you know, sorry, Tom Brady ain't playing today. Oh, well, you feel imminently better about your chances to win than when, you know, Tom Brady's out. The same thing with uh, with the Braves. I think just the dynamic of that one through nine changes so much when 13's out there at the top of the lineup. And you know, right off the jump, pitch one, we could be in a one nothing hole if I make the wrong pitch. Ronald Cooney Jr. is one of them ones. I mean, shout out to my grandfather who told me that a long time ago. He's like, you were, you were hoping to be one of them ones. And Kevin, like I said, no greater role player, no greater, uh, you know, uh, league for role players than that of baseball. The best team has a has a it factor player, and they got a bunch of role players. Now, the Braves got a bunch of it factor players. I mean, you talk about, you know, uh, you know, Austin Riley, you're talking about a guy like Matt Oles, talking about a guy like Max Fried, and so on and so forth. They still don't, they still pale in comparison to the impact and influence of a Ronald Lacuna Jr. He just brings up the confidence level of everybody. Snit, Alex Anthopoulos, the Braves faithful, everybody, because he can do it all. Like, that's not something you hear. Certain guys, they do certain things. What, defense? Okay, they play the pants one thing. Ronald Lacuna Jr., like you say, the reason why, you know, his RBIs ain't what they could, because he's leading off home, boop, gone. Nobody's on base. 
But Matt Olson don't know what it's like to have him on the roster yet. And, you know, Rosario, I mean, I don't know if he even played with him but a little bit last year before he got hurt. And the thing is, it's one of those things that what Kevin, I remember when he first, you know, got called up and whatever. Talk to Sid Bream, talk to Ben Ingram, you know, talk to Bud Ellis. Oh, this guy. Like, like don't matter. Yeah. And to me, that's hard to do, right? You're going to find somebody going to say, eh, oh, this dude. And so all I'm saying is, you know, uh, you just, you know, we were talking about Miguel Carrera, you know, shout out to Miguel, you know, 3,500 hit club, right? Which is seven people have done it. Ronald Cooney Jr. was trying to be in the 40 floor to his first real year. I mean, it wasn't his rookie year. So I, I just think that Kevin, you know, to, I've played with a guy like a Steve McNair who he brings so much energy to the team. When they announced him before the game, you know, I mean, I know what it's like to be able to play with like just elite, elite, you know, elite talented players because they can do things nobody else can do. You find yourself saying, dude, I'm happy we got him. Because how many players want a top 10 player? Period. He's a top 10 player when he's, when he's, when he's, uh, when he's healthy. So I'm looking forward to having him back. Take your time, Ron Lacuna. You don't got to be sliding head. You don't got to do. You can do it. You don't. And I'm pretty sure Snick gonna hit him with that. Just I get it. Like, don't. Uh, I mean, so I, I. I just. I just look forward to having his presence back. Not just. Not just. You know, on the team, but in. The, you know, but in the dugout, in the locker room. I just think he bring that that youthful energy. Him and Ozzy and those guys, and him, Ozzy, Marcel, and all that kind of stuff. Because. Kevin, you know, just like I know, the Braves are a different type of team. When they stirring it up, running across the bases, when they doing the, you know, all that stuff matters. And I don't want the Braves to become, quote, a well-polished professional ball club. Sorry. Like, I don't want that. Because to me, now they're, all right, fellas, let's do a little, little less this, little. No, no, no. What what we did got us here. And got us over. Got us over. How many teams going to go their whole – it's all Mark Douglas, Douglas is a Cleveland Indians fan. People, <laughs> listen to me. Now a Guardians fan. Yes. Now, yeah, now, yeah. Now, yeah, now we're, now we're guard. I mean, it'd be like the Guardians. I'd be like, I mean, I've lived long enough to see the Cleveland Indians become the Guardians and the Redskins become yep. the Commanders. People, we're running out of names yes. here. So all I'm saying is, Ronald, th- Acuna, get healthy. See you soon. Am I the only one that when you see Cleveland Guardians, <laughs> like it takes you a second, like who are they, t- who? <laughs> like, I, like every time I see them, like, what is that? Oh, that's the baseball team. Like I, it still has not, of course, uh, of you course. know, come through in my brain yet uh, about that name change. We got more to come. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here on this Monday. Corey Yates going to join us next hour, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, and he's going to give us the analytic breakdown between Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. Ben, as both have been rumored, speculated, gambled upon uh, to be the number one pick in Thursday night's NFL draft. It's going to be exciting, Kevin. I think, uh, you know, it used to be a time to where, like I said, you already knew who the number one pick was, number two, number three pick was sometimes. But the the thing about the thing about the draft over the years, it's only gotten more and more intriguing. I used to, it used to be a time to where, you know, it was only in New York. Now it's been in Philly. Now it's been in Dallas. Now, you know, this year, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be in Vegas and things of that nature. So I... I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I was blessed enough to go to the draft in 2019 myself, BJ, and Richard, the team that drafted me, you know, way back when in 2004. So it's always intriguing, Kevin. I mean, the thing is, if Trevon Walker does indeed go number one, that means that them Georgia pick, because that's going to be a big thing. How many Georgia guys go uh, in the first round? If they go number one overall, I mean, they were the headliners all in all of 2021. It would only be right if they just started off the draft of 2022. But <sighs> that's why we watch. That's why. That's why. That's why we are gonna be, you know, tuned in for the top ten. Cause as much as you think, I, I'm just looking forward to that first one, Kevin. Everybody go, oh, cause you, cause we didn't see it coming. Now, mind you, a lot of names you could throw in the hat, and just because 
if you are that team that's kept that player you wanted covered off the radar, I mean, you know, you know, maybe, you know, uh, you know, maybe uh, you know, Commissioner Sankey of the SEC been been helping you out because this guy is the greatest at hide and go seek. You don't hear nothing leaks when it comes uh, to Greg Sankey and company. But I'm I'm looking forward to it, Kevin. I mean, Trevon Walker's good enough to be number one. So is uh, you know, so is Aiden Hutchinson. And that's what the draft is. You take a guy, you take a couple of guys, you kind of know them a little bit, but you hear the name so much. You know, Trayvon, Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, you know, Sauce Gardner, uh, you know, uh, you know, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau, Matt Corral, Sam Howe, the list, Kenny Pickett. That way, but it's like if you're gonna be that high, oh. Good to have you back here, Hour 3. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Corey Yates going to join us coming up in about 20 minutes. We're talking uh, analytics of Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker, how they compare. Both have been rumored to be the number one pick in the draft on Thursday night. We'll be at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive, broadcasting live ahead of that. Have a great uh, time and stick around for the, the first round of the top 10 picks. We're going to have a giveaway. Pick the top 10 along with us. You get the most picks. Winner's going correct. Uh, winner's going to get a 70-inch flat screen. So come join us at Coach's Corner for that. Ben, that being said, I, I, I was so intrigued with what you were saying. We just ran right through the hard hour uh, stop, and we went from that to talking about all the knockoffs of, you know, Mountain Dew and Dr. Pepper that are out there, you know, with the, with the wild names, the uh, – Mountain, I think we talked about Mountain that, Lightning that, and Dr. Per, Dr. That, Thunder. Dr. Thunder. I, I did see what it was, Dr. Perky, before. It's like, there's a lot of doctors out there trying, <laughs> but there's only one pepper. Come on. But, but, but Dr. Perky was was probably the strangest one I've ever seen. I think Mountain Mist mm-hmm. was no, no, another no, I, one. You, no, I, you, I, say, I said something ridiculous. I, you know, I said that Sierra Mist tastes like Sprite. Like, it does not. You know, it doesn't. It does not. Stop it. You got to shut that down <laughs> before we even get started. No, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, when you, Kevin, when you think about, you know, the draft is, you know, the draft is in three days, and I, I think that what makes this draft so intriguing is right there at the top. You know, first it was Evan Neal, all right. Then it was, then it was uh, Aiden Hutchinson, all right. Now Trevon Walker, and I like how I wonder how many outlets have to do this. Some uh, uh, and a, you know, a real accredited, you know, you can, you know, sourced. A, a source-driven, I guess, outlet says Trevon Walker's going to be the unanimous number one pick. And next thing you know, it's just a trickle effect. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Somewhere, you know, Kirby Smart is already doing a press conference and asked about Trevon Walker. I get that part. Somewhere Aiden Hutchinson is saying, what did I do? You didn't do anything. Evan Neal peaked too early. Going to be Evan Neal, Evan Neal, Evan Neal. Yeah, but did he peak too early? Well, I mean, I, it, it, it wasn't his name, fault. Yeah. It wasn't his, when I say peaked, I'm talking about the thing about the draft cycle that we don't get. The draft cycle is a, is a, is a hype train, right? It's a hype train, and they pick certain people. Now, are the people they're hyping up worth it? Yes, I'm not saying they're not worth it. But, Kevin, think about this. We just figured out who Aiden Hutchinson was because he played in the college football playoff and he played for Michigan. Now, you would think Aiden Hutchinson is a household name because you hear it all the time. I mean, you know, Trevon Walker, hear it all the time. Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, Thibodeau, number one. Thank God the young man went to college because I don't even want to know how long it took him to, 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 to learn how to spell and pronounce his last name. <laughs> so, I, I, so I just think that when I think about the draft, it's, it's the hype. Because think about it. We're talking about headliners. That's not quarterbacks. We're talking about guys. We're talking about O-linemen. We're talking about D-linemen. We're talking about receivers. We're talking about cornerbacks. We're talking about hyper safeties. And a couple, you know, what, what a quarter, uh, quarterback classes, uh. But yet, you know, you're talking about, you know, Malik Willis. You're talking about Kenny Pickett. You're talking about, you know, Matt Corral. You know, you're talking about Desmond Ritty. You're talking about Sam Howell and, you know, and so on and so forth. 
We don't even mention on running backs. We don't, you don't even, we even talk about running backs. O-linemen, D-linemen, quarterbacks, safeties, corners, everybody that's not a running back. And the thing is, there is somebody that's going to go in the top ten. I was there in 2019 in Nashville with uh, with BJ and uh, Richie when the fourth overall pick came, and it was Cleveland Farrell, defensive end to my Raiders. And we were like, what? Then, <laughs> then the sixth overall pick, Daniel Jones out of Duke. You know, and I'm just like, all I'm saying is, Kevin, the unpredictability of the draft is going to happen with this top two. Is it going to be somebody go, wait, what? Because we see it one way. All our analytics, and obviously we're going to talk to Corey Yates and we're going to break it all the way down, right? From from height, weight to how fast does it how fast does it get off on first down compared to third down? How how, how fast does it take him to shed a block? All these different things, and and somebody is going bump all that. My eyes and my and my scouts going to tell me it's this guy, and. Who's who's to say who's to say two maybe three quarterbacks might not go in the top two? It could happen, and then yeah, because we go from what? Yeah, I can see that. Well, of course you can see it because he just his name got announced. You you wasn't seeing it before, so I'm I'm looking forward to the how unpredictable it is. How as much as we think we know, you know, I mean, Mel Mel Kiper, Mel Kiper, this is all he do when he get it dead wrong. <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to him and Shay and Chef and Adam Chef and all these different guys, but. Hey, Kevin, man, that's why we watch, man, the top ten. I mean, you get a chance. You know we're going to be at Coach's Corner, you know what I'm saying, on uh, on uh, on Thursday, get a chance to potentially win a 70-inch. Yes, right. That's Absolutely. Great. So come join us there at Coach's Corner. Pick the first ten. Whoever, it's really simple. Pick the first ten. Whoever gets the most right uh, you know, is going to win. And, again, I, I said, is this potentially at least an easier one because there may not be as many trades? How much movement do you think we see trade-wise when, as we've talked to a bunch of folks, again, a lot of folks think between Evan Neal and the third tackle. That's three guys out of the top ten. That's that's 33%. You could have three tackles gone. Not a lot of difference, right? A lot. Not, I'm willing to wait. If I don't get Evan Neal, I'll wait for Iquano or vice versa. Not a lot of difference in some of those defensive linemen. Not a lot of difference. Uh, like, I can get another one. It's deep. How much movement do you think we see? Are there teams that are wanting to jump up in that top 10 versus saying, you know, I'm at 12. I might just wait 12. I'm going to get a good player. Do you think we see a lot of movement in that first round trade-wise? I, I think we do. I think what is all said and done because I think uh, some of these teams are understanding that they need to improve their draft position and some teams need to move back to improve their depth. And that's what, that's who you that's who you get on the phone with. Terry Fontenot and guys like that, as you mentioned, Kevin, if you don't get an Evan Neal, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton, maybe a Sauce Gardner, do you move back? just to, Because everybody you're going to get is – I mean, you know, we had a caller on Ray. I didn't even know Atlanta had two seconds or two-thirds. Could you add another uh, three-thirds? Three seconds. I mean, because you're getting quality. Look, I'm going to say this, people. If you are a top 100 pick, you are one of the top 100 prospects on the planet. Last time I checked, they don't do international. At least, at least I know I know they got three games overseas this <laughs> year. But I, last time I checked, they're not drafting guys internationally. So I just think that, yeah, you always trying to improve. You always try to listen. The draft is to improve your team. If that means moving back to get more picks, so be it. If that means the guy you coveted is right there, you get him. But if, but I say that if there is any hesitation, draft, I mean, move back. Now, don't do what the Vikings used to do and let your freaking time run out and then it goes to the next. Because I really don't think the Vikings knew that, dude. If your time run out, it goes to the next team. So I I, I just think for me, this this is when this is when you know you got to put your thinking hats on. You got to be like a look. You got to be thinking for now and the guys around you because you want to be like sometimes 
they'll do this. I'll snatch the guy to keep you from getting them. Like sometimes I'm just, I don't want them to get this guy. And maybe there'll be a tradable piece down the line. So who knows, Kevin? But hey, Atlanta have a two second, two third definitely help. But if the guy you covered is not there at eight, move back, potentially get some get some more draft picks, more draft equity, more depth. That could be something that could definitely help some of these teams because you know, let's face it, Atlanta needs everything. One player ain't gonna do it, no matter who they get. Right. Yeah. But but can that person boost something? Atlanta doesn't have a number one receiver. Atlanta needs a safety. Atlanta needs an old lineman. Atlanta needs, Atlanta needs a running back. Atlanta needs a tight end. Atlanta needs a linebacker. Atlanta needs a DN. They need a lot. They really, really do. So we'll see what Terry Fondo does. Like I said, man, 18 years with the New Orleans Saints, he definitely knows what he's doing. But when, you're, when your team needs so much, and like you say, Kevin, do they get a quarterback in the second round just in case they don't like who's, who's backing up Marcus Mariota? Make, maybe you can groom a guy for the future. Again, I think Atlanta's one of the intriguing cases in the draft. Like, Jacksonville's intriguing because you're you're saying, there's no way they can mess this up, right? Like, yeah. They, like, they're, they're so, they're, there's a couple of choices, and, you know, worst case, try to get out of there. I don't know if, as we talked with John Shipley earlier to the show, may not be enough interest in anybody trying to come take the number one, but you literally have anybody you want, right? I mean, that's the beauty of the number one. And go out there and get somebody that makes sense to your ball club. And, again, whether it be Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Evan Neal, I mean, I think the only thing that would surprise people is if they're like, hey, we got a wide receiver. Like, what? But for Jacksonville, simply just don't mess it up. For Atlanta, it's like you you literally, we've talked about it, you could take anybody. I, I think, uh, and it wouldn't be surprising. Now, obviously, you don't want a running back because I, I, well, maybe they do. I would not advocate taking a running back yeah. uh, just because I think there's you know value later in the draft yeah. just on general principle. But, I mean, tell me a position they could draft where you're like, yeah. They, they 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 could get better by drafting. So like there there isn't one for Atlanta. Well, uh, at well, least among there, there, the there, among the two. original twenty two. I'm not talking special teams. They're not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, there, there's only two guys to me for Atlanta that could be instant stars. Kayvon Thibodeau is one, and Evan Neal is two. Because Evan Neal definitely going to make you uh, have you you got an offensive line that's already been restructured throughout the course of the year. If he bring he's you know you put him on that right side, you reshuffle some guys, and maybe you make your team better. Kayvon Thibodeau gives you a defense. He gives you a defensive end that could definitely rush the passer, even though he don't got a lot of help around him. Because I and, and and maybe Kevin like like I said, I mean if. Maybe, I mean, maybe a Kyle Hamilton, you know, at safety. But BJ had me saying something too, which I do think. How how much does the safety really impact in the National Football League when he don't got no help around him? I mean, Buda Baker is incredible, you know, for Arizona. Um, you know, you got so you know you got Derwin James, uh, you know, for the Chargers. But but you but you ain't got no you know ain't no Aries, ain't no Troy Polamalu, ain't no John Lynch's, ain't no Sean Taylor's, you know, uh, ain't no Brian Dawkins. Not, I mean, and I'm and I'm saying that to say there are. I mean, you got Harrison Smith from Minnesota. He's in, a, you know, he's really, really good, but he's on a team that's mediocre. So, if you get Kyle Hamilton, is he really, really good on a really, really bad defense? So he's not going to stand out, or it's easier for a player to stand out when he's a missing piece, right? I don't know whoever they Evan Neal is a missing piece for an offensive line. Like if he's there, get him, get him right now. Because he makes your offensive line sure, better, especially yeah. when he was slated to be. Listen, if you're slated to be the number one overall pick, that means you you grade out the highest. So if he's there, you get him, which I don't think he's going to be there. But if the football guys want to be nice to us, you know, you know, let let. Uh, and then Kayvon Thibodeau is a guy, in my opinion, I don't understand. I was a number one recruit coming out four years ago. I haven't gotten worse. I've only gotten better. I've only boosted my stock, increased the status quo of my team, and I've been incredible uh, for the last three years. Yeah, y'all talking about Trayvon Walker and uh, Aiden Hutchinson? Like I ain't even out here. I did it without a Jordan Davis. 
You know, I did without sure. going to the college football playoff. So I, I just, and, and I'm not faulting those guys for doing what they did, but I just think that if I was the number one overall uh, recruit and I haven't tailed off, I've only gotten better. What did I do to kind of like make you guys feel the way you're feeling? Hey, we'll see. But if Kayvon Thibodeau is there, you snatch him. If Evan Neal is there, you snatch him. And if Kyle Hamilton, I think you give him a strong look because, like I said, he's a, he's an incredible safety. But if he's not going to a defense that's already just ne- missing him, He's going to be a really, really good player potentially on a on a really, really uh, poor or you know a mid level defense. And again, uh, the Falcons at number eight, the Jags at number one. A lot of people think it's going to be Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker. We'll step aside. Corey Yates, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, will join us. He'll give us the analytical breakdown between those two. We'll ask him where he thinks Jacksonville ultimately goes, but we'll get the breakdown between Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker next year. It's three now on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. NFL Draft upcoming. On Thursday night, of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one overall pick. They got the big decision uh, to make out there on the board. Is it Aiden Hudson? Is it Trayvon Walker? A lot of people are starting to say maybe it will be Trayvon Walker there on Thursday. And uh, joining us here, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, help us break down these two uh, young men. Corey Yates joins us here on 3 and Out. Corey, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks a lot. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. And I know you have uh, you know, studied a lot of athletes from an analytics standpoint. We've talked to you about that on, on the show before. What do you see from these two guys from an analytics standpoint, Aiden Hudson and Trayvon Walker, and where might we see the biggest difference? Yeah, absolutely. So, look, we've, we've got that on over 1,200 of these edge rushers. And i got to tell you that uh, Trayvon Walker – um, he's going to be a traits-based edge rusher. So the scouts and the reason why he's climbing the boards is because of what he did in the combine. And I think, you know, the numbers that he put up from that perspective certainly jumps off the, off the paper, if you will. And it's, it's tough to ignore. You think about his length. You think about, you know, the, the times that he put up, both in the 40, you know, his 10-yard split, his short shuttle, et cetera. Um, and he's, you know, he put up some very impressive numbers from a combine standpoint relative to Aiden Hutchinson. Um, but we take a different approach when we evaluate players. Uh, we look at and we grade players based on their in-game athleticism. So it's, it's based on what they do on tape. And so uh, when we compare the two, the biggest thing that, that differentiates Hutchinson from Walker is how quickly they get to the, to the quarterback and sack the quarterback. So the average sack time for Aiden Hutchins is just a tick over two seconds. And so that ranks in the top quartile, the top 25% of our database. And then you compare that to Trayvon Walker, his average sack time for his career uh, was just under 2.9 seconds. And so you can see that, you know, when you think about how quickly those guys are getting to the, to the quarterback and making a play, Hutchinson is getting there, um, a, you know, a little bit faster than 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 Kayvon Walk, Trayvon Walker, and that's just one of the metrics that we look at when we compare these athletes. And Corey, when you're breaking down guys like Javon Walker, Aiden Hudson, guys that you know very very similar in height, very very similar. I think uh, I think Javon Walker might be you know 10, 15 pounds heavier uh, than that of a Aiden Hudson. How how similar? Do those guys end up becoming? You talk about how fast they get to the quarterback. It's it's milliseconds for one, as far as the other. When you talk about how fast they get off the blocks, you know when you talk about when it, when you talking about breaking down two guys that are elite. Even though Trevon Walker is just a freak, when you talk about what he's done away from football, as far as like the measurables and forty times, 
Well, how 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 close is it when you talk about Aiden Hudson and Javon Walker? So we've got, in terms of their in-game athleticism score, you know, uh, we actually have Hutchinson, you know, I would say relatively higher than, than Trayvon Walker. So Aiden Hutchinson's in-game athleticism score is 87.5 out of 100. And then that compares to Walker's, who came in at 70.96. And, again, the biggest difference is we're measuring their athleticism in the context of a game versus a combine setting. Again, Walker, we understand, he's, a, he's an athletic freak. But when you turn the tape on, you can see, you know, Hutchinson, you know, he's going to be more of a, as opposed to Walker, who I said earlier is a traits-based edge rusher, where he's going to be kind of a, he's going to win based on his athletic ability in terms of quick twitch. Aiden Hutchinson, on the other hand, He's more of an effective hand sack man, okay? And that's how he's going to win. And you can see that in the numbers. I look at how quickly Hutchinson, you know, defeats his block. On average, Hutchinson is defeating the blocker in 1.1 seconds. 1.1 seconds. Again, that's in the top 20% uh, of our database for edge rushers. And then I compare that to Walker. He's defeating the blocker in uh, 1.5 seconds. So, again, another data point that shows Hutchinson is winning uh, faster than, than Walker. And, Corey, how much of uh, what you guys do in game has to do with those guys around him? Like, I look at a guy like Aiden Hudson, as you mentioned. He's a, he's a hands guy. Would you hear violent hands and using your violent hands both in the run and in the pass? But he didn't have Jordan Davis next to him. He didn't have N'Kobe Dean around him. He didn't have the guys that Trevon that, uh, Walker had around him, yet he was still able to go out there and produce on a, on a Michigan defense at a very, very high level. How much do you think that not needing necessarily somebody elite around him to still go out there and put up big numbers in game? Hey, hey, listen, you said a lot there because that is one of the things that I talk about a lot is when you look at Walker, and, and this is, now this is my personal opinion, this isn't numbers, but anytime you have to go back and look at his tape because of what a player did in the combine, to me that, that's a red flag. And, and the reason why I say that is because Walker was always a 2022 prospect that scouts had on their radar, right? But – the numbers that he put up at the combine were just so freakish that these scouts said, well, we've got to go back and look, look at his tape again. Well, you already saw his tape, so apparently something didn't jump off the tape for you to have him rank as high as you did after you saw these numbers that he posted. So I look at what was around Walker, and you know, I, I, I think to myself exactly what you just – the point you just raised, which was Walker was surrounded by – you know, a ton of Sunday players, right? And so I would expect Walker to um, – didn't, he didn't have as much attention in terms of having to defeat the, the, the double team as Hutchinson did. Um, and then, again, when you look at Hutchinson, you know, he had someone opposite of him who's also going to be a, a, a top draft pick. But they certainly didn't have the defense – Michigan didn't – didn't have the defense that um, – and the talent that was surrounded by him – as, as Trayvon Walker did. Again, physical freak, don't take that away from him, but at the end of the day, it's got to translate to tape and, and what you see on film. Listen, Walker flashes on film, don't get me wrong, but the consistency in terms of 
how he dominated. He didn't dominate and have that impact on the game the way that Hutchinson did on a more consistent basis. Corey Yates, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, joining us here on 3 Down. Corey, uh, help us out uh, with some of that. Obviously, when you put the analytics together, it's uh, involving all the games these young men have played. Uh, In this state, obviously, people will say, with Aiden Hutchinson, look at the Georgia tape. Uh, He went up against elite offensive line talent on the other side and kind of got dominated what what do you do analytically to account for things like that? Is there a, an elite versus an elite? You have like an elite versus elite one on one kind of. How do you account for games like that where you go up against really good talent and maybe don't play your best? Uh, is is there something to account for that? Absolutely, and that the numbers that I talked about earlier that does take into account the UGA game, and you certainly cannot ignore, you know, what took place against best on best. We do factor that into our, into our uh, scoring and our rating system. And so, you're right, Hutchinson did not have a dominant game against UGA. No ifs, ands, or buts about that. But that is a, that, that's one data point. Um, and, and when you look at our board, Hutchinson is actually edge three on our board. We actually have Thibodeau as one and Inigbari as the, the kid out of, out of uh, South Carolina at edge two. So we certainly go against the conventional thinking as, as most big boards and most rankings you'll see out there. But again, that's because we're, we're, we're leveraging and we're looking at uh, new data that's not widely available uh, to, to a lot of folks in the, in the space. And, Corey, how, how much do you think, uh, you know, NFL scouts get it wrong? I get it. You know, you, they, they, they've done it a certain way for so long. You know, it's half what you've done on the field, and then they got the NFL combine. Then they got pro days. Then they got – they're going to show the same highlight for the next, you know, three months to make these guys become household names, as you mentioned. Why is it do they not just look at the game table and say, look, Trevon Walker is a freak. But a freak should look like that on tape. I shouldn't have to look at him running a straight line, you know, for 40 yards or how he does in drills to say, look, if I turn on the tape for that 2021 Georgia defense, that number 44 should pop out at me, not because he's chasing down receivers or chasing down, you know, quarterbacks. He should be getting to the quarterback. How much you think of it is less of what you guys are doing because you guys are doing it based off what they do on Saturdays compared to, hey, man, this guy's got, quote, this high ceiling. But, I mean, I was always told the greatest thing about potential is we all have it. Not most of us will live up to it. Right, right. Yeah, so to answer your question, I mean, it's, it's, it's a known fact that the, the, the draft is a, it's a 50-50 proposition. And, and, and the NFL front office executives, they'll tell you that, that it's a, it's a, it's a, you're, you're rolling the dice. And at best, your hit rate's going to be right around 50% in the first round. And then as you get later in the rounds, you know, your, your hit rate is going to continue to decline. So on average, uh, we, have, we, we estimate that the average hit rate uh, for, for NFL teams is about 33%. Okay, so that means that they're missing 67% of the time. Now, it's not intentional. Right, they're not doing it intentionally. Um, I think the challenge is, is they've. Uh, when you think about the combine and the timing of the combine, one of the issues that I see is that you run into recency bias. So you think about the combine and it take it takes place pretty late in the evaluation cycle, and you've 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 gotten away from it's been you know two three months since you've actually looked at this prospect on film, and 
that recency bias starts to creep in when you see a guy like Walker who is just a physical freak in terms of, he's, you know, he's a combine Olympian is, is, is how I would describe him, you know. And like you said, I should see that jump off the, off the tape, right? Like we should have had this discussion about Walker in the December, January time frame, not now. And so to me, that should, that should certainly raise a flag if, if, if I'm a GM, that raises a flag with me. Why weren't we talking about and, and describing this kid like that a couple of months ago? And, and so I think that's part of the problem is that you have uh, the combine that happens later in the cycle that becomes top of mind for the scouts. And, and then you've got the media that starts to pile on. And at the end of the day, when you look at the historical data that comes from these combines, it doesn't always correlate to on-the-field success. But yet, that is, you know, that's the, those are the data points that, that we utilize to try to project these players. And so the NFL is doing a good job now to integrate other data points like tracking data so that that's, a little bit, that's proven to be a little bit more predictive than your traditional combine metrics and analytics and it's just going to take a little bit more time for these for these nfl teams to wean themselves off because they are they are valuing some of the data points coming out of the combine less you look at a franchise like the rams right they 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 understand that the combine is not the end-all be-all and they take it for what it's worth and, and and utilize it in its proper context and they don't weight every single combine metric the same, probably as, as was done several years ago. And, Corey, finally, I mean, when you think about it, as you mentioned the media, you talk about the hype trains. What do you think helps a player out most? A guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who the last five out of the six defensive rookie of the years came from the Big Ten with the Bosa brothers, Marshawn Lattimore. You know, you talk about Chase Young, you talk about Michael Parsons, or is it a guy like Trayvon Walker coming off a national championship in a historic defense, and he's also, as you mentioned, an Olympian-type athlete. Which one you think benefits either or player the most? Uh, you know what? That's a that's a tough question. I think it benefits when you have when you come from a, a conference that's got a pedigree of of producing um, highly productive players at the next level. I think that goes a little bit further. So you know, I think I think Hutchinson is he's the safe bet, and I think you know I think the mock drafts that have you know the Jaguars taking him one overall will probably come to life, right? Uh, because he is the safe bet because. You have to think about it, right? The, you've got, you know, the draft grade and then where somebody gets, gets drafted. They're not always the same, right? In fact, in a lot of cases, they're very different. So, for example, if you look at this quarterback class, you know, I don't think anyone would tell you that, you know, Pickett or, or Willis has a, has a first-round draft grade, but yet he, they're going to go in, in, in the first round. Um, so there's a difference between the player's draft grade and where they'll end up getting selected. They don't always correlate. And so uh, the short answer to your question, Ben, is it really benefits these players much more when, when you're coming from a conference that has a history of uh, producing high-level NFL players. Corey Yates, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, joining us here on 3 Now. I do have a quick one for you, uh, Corey. Based on pure numbers, who, by your, your measure, has the right to say, I'm the best player in the draft? Kayvon Thibodeau. So, I mean, you look at, you look at uh, KT's numbers athletically. So 
he would be what I consider a hybrid between Walker and Hutchinson. He's got the production, and he has the athleticism, right? Um, so he's our number one player on, on our board because of, we look at career production, and we pair that with in-game athleticism, and, and he tops our board. Now, is he going to go one overall? No, because, you know, uh, you know, someone, I think the question earlier was, you know, what, what also helps these players? I think a lot of groupthink as well, right? And when I say a lot of groupthink, when you start to hear certain players being mentioned at certain positions and being slotted at certain, certain uh, places on, on the draft board, listen, it's human nature to start to, to kind of to, to have that seep in, and, and, and it almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But with KT, I think his talent is undeniable. I think, you know, the numbers speak for themselves. That, that he's got tape that proves it. Now, you know, big questions around him is, is his, his love for the game was kind of what we heard back in the January time frame. Um, then it became his motor. You know, now it's more of his, his brand. Like, he, he's too brand conscious. So I, I, I don't know what it is, and I don't pretend to know and have the intel that some of these, uh, these, these NFL front office execs, they, you know, they have more intel than I do in terms of the medical and the, 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 the personal interviews that they've conducted. Um, we're judging it based purely on their in-game athleticism and their, their career production. Corey Yates, CEO of Recruiting Analytics, our guest here on 3 and Out. Corey, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of the afternoon. Appreciate it. Corey Yates joining us here on 3 and Out. And, again, they do a great job of just boiling it down to a lot of different numbers, Ben, and trying to get uh, you the complete picture of what teams are drafting. We'll let Ben give you kind of his choices when we come back. I'm going to give Ben a scenario. He's got to make a choice. Uh-oh. We'll do that. <laughs> Uh-oh. We'll do that when we come back. It's 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. All right, in light of all the, the draft talk here, I've got some scenarios for Ben Troop that I'm going to give you. You have to play Trent Baalke and make a choice. You're going to have to play GM. You're going to have to play Terry Fontenot and make a choice, okay? So I'm going to give you a draft scenario and a couple of players, and you have to say who you would take. So I, don't, don't, don't pull the B.J. Bennett on me, and I give you two players. You say, well, I wouldn't take either one of those. I'd take this guy. Not the exercise. Let's do it. Here we go. So, you got the Jags' number one overall pick. You taking Aiden Hutchinson or Trayvon Walker? I'm gonna take. I'm gonna go with Aiden Hutchinson. I think uh, you know, obviously, with with a guy like uh, Corey Yates just saying, we talk about breaking down the analytics. I just look at it like this. What always scares me is when a guy has these big high ceilings. There's gonna be a lot of guys. Oh, his ceiling, his ceiling, his ceiling, his ceiling. And I get it. Trayvon Walker. I mean, we. I mean, he he happens to be he happens to be athletic and an athlete. Certain guys. They're just athletes. They're not the most athletic guys. But the whole thing about it is you, you're getting one-on-ones because Jordan Davis is getting, you know, double teams. You know, you got Dylan White, you got Nicobe Dean, you got Nola Smith, and so on and so forth. And I get he shows some flashes of, oh, my God, but a lot of guys flash. And so for me, I would go with a guy like Aiden Hutchinson because I go with technique over athleticism because athleticism only gets you so far in the National Football League while – the best play, the best say to give us like this, uh, uh, Dez Bryant. Dez Bryant first coming to the National Football League, he's so physically gifted, can't nobody really stay in front of him, you know, throwing touchdowns. You notice as he got older, got a little slower, technique, he, he ain't really get open. So for me, I'd rather go with the technician 
who's good enough to go out there and show you his production than a guy who's super duper athletic who think I'ma just out athletic these guys. Give me, give me, K, I mean, uh, give me uh, Aiden Hutchinson. All right, interesting choice there for Ben. All right, scenario two here: the Falcons are picking at eight, and you have a choice between Kayvon Thibodeau or Kyle Hamilton. Both would address a need. Who would Ben take there at number eight in that scenario? I would go with I would go with uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. This is a guy that. You know, like, as I mentioned, I mean, didn't tell off, showed you everything you need to do uh, as far as, like, production on the field. I, I mean, the guy that could definitely play the run, can definitely get out to the pass, an elite pass rusher. I mean, I do agree sometimes he is very, very brand conscious as far as, like, you know, I mean, when people start talking about the motors and all this other type of stuff, come on, man. I mean, you know, every I don't know no player that's going, you know, that's going, like, all out, you know, every single play, but – I I've seen, obviously I like Kyle Hamilton, but I just look at him as being a guy in the secondary that's very very young. Even though you got AJ Terrell, he's gonna have to be a focal point. Give me Kayvon Thibodeau, a guy that's built for the big times, that's built to to be the to be the anchor of a defense. Give me Kayvon. And I knew Ben really liked Kyle Hamilton, which is why well, I, I like bring which is why I bring up Kyle this scenario. Uh, you're at the Falcons at number eight, and you choose between Kyle Hamilton or Sauce Gardner, a big tall Ooh. physical receiver or corner who had not given up a touchdown in his collegiate career versus a, a, a guy in Kyle Hamilton who people say might be the best defensive back, maybe not even in this draft, yeah. but like the last few drafts that we've seen. <sighs> wow. I had to throw I this one at you because I know you like both I these guys. I love Kyle Hamilton. Kyle Hamilton 6'4", right? Uh, a guy that could go sideline to sideline. I mean, you know, a little stiff in the hips, uh, you know, sometimes because to get caught in space. Sauce Gardner is 6'3", and long, can run. For me, Kevin, because of what I've seen A.J. Terrell do in year two, I would go with probably Sauce because now I got two bookend corners. Now I got two guys that can travel. You know, I mean, pick your poison, okay? You don't want you don't want A.J. to be on number one. You got you got a guy like Sauce. Like I said, Kevin, I mean, this thing. Kevin, I mean, Kevin, Kyle Hamilton is incredible. Kyle Hamilton is giving up a touchdown. Kyle Hamilton is giving up yards. He'll say that happens. Sauce Gardner has not. So it's going to help his team, you know, go undefeated one year and only lost to Georgia in, in you know, uh, in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. Didn't give to, up a touchdown to Georgia. Didn't give up a touchdown against Georgia to go undefeated the next year, right, playing the college football, you know, uh, uh, make the college football playoff, right, and didn't give a touchdown to Alabama. I just think that you can't coach you can't coach length, length at the at the cornerback position. What, ran like a 4-4, four, 4-3, four, four, you know, ran like a 4-4, four, 6-3. Four, his his teammate Kobe Bryant won the Thorpe Award on the other side of him. I just think, Kevin, if I'm giving up, safety and corner is drastically different, by the way. But if I'm giving up one inch, but I'm but but I'm able to take away because you know in the, in the in the NFC South or in NFL now, you got to have receivers that can bump and run. You got to have guys. You got DK Metcalf, guys that big now, or you got guys that's like short and stocky, like AJ. I mean, like AJ Brown, or you got real shifty guys like Cooper Cup. Or, or, or little short, stocky guys like Debo Sam, you know what I'm saying? Or real, I think Sauce Garden is built for all of them. Give me Sauce Garden, even though I love Cal Hamilton. All right, we got one more scenario for you. You must take a quarterback. So you are a team that must take a quarterback. Are you taking Malik Willis? Are you taking a Kenny Pickett? Oh, really, really love what Kenny Pickett did for uh, for Pitt last year. But I mean, I think it was in, I think it was in college like five, six years. It was in college a long time. Was able to put together. Uh, in the ACC, but I, I I might just go with Malik Willis. This is why Malik Willis didn't go to a you know he didn't go to a big P five G five school like that. Big, I mean, he went to Liberty, right? Liberty is a team that you know obviously had Hugh Freeze, obviously had a really really good team, but he elevated them. He's the reason like certain players make you want to watch. Like Kenny Pickett was incredible, right? We're incredible. 
I just think for, for me, uh, Kevin, I want a guy who's used to, hey, man, I didn't have to go to the, quote, big school to steal the, the notion of if they're good enough, they will find you. Now, both of them are going to be projects. I'm not saying that. But I'd rather go with Malik Willis. Plus, he gives you, even though Kenny Pickett had the nice little run in the ACC championship game, not doing the slide. I like what Kenny, I like what Malik Willis brings to the table, man. I just think he's a dual-threat quarterback with a big arm, can read defenses. I think he's going to be good. Give me, give me, uh, give me Malik. And again, that was the, the, the point of the exercise was not like, hey, these guys are going to be friends. Like, because again, the quarterbacks in this class, Malik Willis, probably the best of them. But most people would say, would he even be in the top three or four of quarterbacks if he came out next season? Probably wouldn't. Uh, so, about time. As you said, time. so, yeah, so you said a little bit of a project guy, but the exercise was you have to take one. You can't go BJ and say, I'm not taking any of them. <laughs> I'm going to take a running back or something. You can't do that. So, I've uh, been with the series. There. So, you would take Aiden Hutton. You went Kayvon Thibodeau over Kyle Hamilton, Sauce Gardner over Kyle Hamilton. If I remember correctly, and Malik Willis in those picks. Good job. I just wanted to throw that out there, uh, you know, because a lot of people think it's like, oh, just sometimes it's as simple as you get down to those last two or three minutes, and the discussion. Terry Fontenot might be like, all right, guys, Kayvon or Kyle, what's it going to be? This is what I think. You know, you hit the guys with the last thoughts around the room. What, what do you think, Arthur? We got to make a phone call here real quick and get this done. Uh, those kind of things happen. Where you get down to that either or right before you you finally settle in. Yeah, Kevin. Uh, something that's not not shown enough is I mean the war room or the or the or the you know uh, the draft room as you say. It's it, you're gonna have difference of opinions. We all we all listen. If you looking at baseball, I'm looking at baseball. I'm looking at it from a different angle. If I'm you looking at football, I'm looking at football. We're looking at and it's not that each angle is different. I mean, or, or better or worse, it's just we're looking at it different. When I think of when I think of a football player, I think it shouldn't be too much of a discussion. You know, Aiden Hutchinson, or Trayvon Walker. Give me Aiden Hutchinson. And I've seen more of Trayvon Walker than I've seen of Aiden Hutchinson. But what I've seen of Aiden Hutchinson, he's a guy that's utilizing hand and technique. What's, listen, talent gets you in the league. Technique and, and understanding the game keeps you in the league, right? Kayvon Thibodeau or anybody. Kayvon Thibodeau. I think Kayvon Thibodeau is the best player in this draft that's taking another away from Sauce. That's taking another away from Kyle Hamilton or even Evan Neal. I just seen this guy, and I just know he could have went any way he wanted to in the country. He went to Oregon, didn't tell off. Evan Neal, Evan Neal, Evan Neal. I mean, Alabama, Alabama tackles. The proof is in the pudding. But you know, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley Jr., or Kai, Kai Elam, I would go. I would go. I would go. Sauce Gardner, even though Derek Stingley Jr. was the best cornerback in the in the country three years ago in 2019, but he was a true freshman, had to go through college two more years, right? Didn't tail off, but didn't elevate either. Didn't didn't take his game to another level. I just think it's a lot of things that go into it. But football players, look, I, I know him when I see him. I'm sorry, I've been watching him a long time. Kayvon Thibodeau. Aiden Hutchinson, Evan Neal, Javon Walker, all of them going to make a lot of money because they finna, they finna be top 10 picks. But in my opinion, I think Kayvon Thibodeau, I think he's the best of them all. And again, the first round of the draft coming up Thursday. We will be live at Coach's Corner on Victory Drive in Thunderbolt. Come on out and have a little draft fun with us. We're going to have the top 10 picks. Whoever gets the most top uh, picks in the top 10 correct going to win a 70-inch flat screen TV there from Coach's Corner. We got more to come. It's three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network.